With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, this is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. It is Fox Sports Sunday. It is also the first day of retirement for Coach Mike Krzyzewski. Welcome in as today's show is brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Plan your trip today at visitlasvegas.com. If Coach K is looking for a vacation spot, I would suggest Las Vegas be a very nice place to go. But I don't know if Coach K even knows where he's going to go next after Coaching his final game of his career last night, Aaron, and losing to their bitter rivals just eight miles away in North Carolina. Our national championship game is set, but we're, we are still talking about what happened last night in the Big Easy. As North Carolina knocked off Coach K and Duke. Well, it is not only one of our favorite cities. I can confirm Las Vegas is one of the Krzyzewski family's favorite cities, and I know that for a fact, and I'm not even kidding. So where he will spend his early part of his retirement, uh, I don't know, but I, I think Las Vegas will be part of it. There's actually a story, I think, after last year, it was a complete disaster, as we remember, COVID, season canceled, whatever. Or his turn, he was knocked out. Of, he wasn't eligible for the tournament because he didn't have enough healthy players. I believe he went to Vegas for about two weeks and kind of recharged his batteries, and that was kind of where he made the decision that this would be his final year. So, Dan, I know there was no uh, intention to uh, impress our sponsors in that way, shape, or form, but I'm telling you, the Shashevsky family loves Las Vegas, and to your point, they will have some more time to spend there now uh, with Coach K's retirement. You official. could give me credit, you know, you could like I had the oh, inside info. Oh, did you info, know that? Okay, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, you read the same article no. I did. Okay, I'm sorry. 
sorry. I am just saying I'm offering suggestions if he wants to go that, hey, I think that Las Vegas would be a great option for him. He won't be in New Orleans tomorrow night after what happened last night. And so much changed last night. I actually thought that I was going to be, not personally, I thought it would be more of an emotional moment. Uh, and sometimes those just happen naturally in sports, whether it be uh, final games of players, whether they're about to retire or you think they're retiring, whether it be uh, you know just a, a, another coach, maybe somewhere else where it could be the end of the line. I think the suddenness of the tournament and just knowing that if it wasn't going to end last night, it was going to end on Monday. Uh, to me, it didn't make it as emotional. It was actually, to me, really just more about even Carolina just making plays in that game and I know the storyline throughout the tournament and really throughout the season has been his uh, his final run but it didn't it didn't hit me at least personally as much that that was it for coach K last night even though it kind of came down in heartbreaking fashion well, you know who else I think was genuinely shocked was Coach K. I mean, I don't know uh, how much of the post game you stuck with, Dan, but I was uh, obviously on air uh, here on Fox Sports Radio, and one of the first, you know, one of the first but also most vivid images that I have in my head was Coach K goes through the handshake line with Hubert Davis and the coaching staff, and then he's kind of wandering around the court looking for people to handshake. It was almost the reverse Thomas Hill, if you remember. Christian Leitner hits that famous shot, and uh, Thomas Hill's holding his head. He can't believe what's going on, and he. He's walking around while everybody else is celebrating. I got the sense that Coach K was even surprised how last night went down. And one thing I'll say, and you know, we have three hours to discuss all this, but um, I, I will say, and I think we talked about this a little bit on Friday when you and I were filling in for Doug, is I, I think that myself and a lot of us. I think we really bought into the narrative that this was predestined, predetermined fate. Not that anybody was going to hand games over to Coach K, but when you started to see how the bracket fell out, uh, the way that they were able to rally to beat Michigan State, rally to beat Texas Tech, beat Arkansas, then you get Carolina in the national semifinal, then you get Kansas, which is now the winningest program in college basketball history. They have uh, taken overtaken uh, Kentucky in the last few weeks in that category. It felt like it was all lined up for Duke, and I I, I got to be honest, I, I have to assume that somewhere in the back of their heads, the Duke players and coaching staff probably had that thought as well. I thought that any call down the stretch would go their way. Sure. And I think that's what we all felt. We may have joked about it on social media. In the end, to me, and it's easy to say now, but when, when, it, when it was, it was, I mean, it was close throughout, but even with five minutes left, the, the issue that I just, I didn't think that Duke would be able to get a stop when they needed to. And what ended up happening is it's kind of true and it's kind of not true. And I'm not trying to take a victory lap for it is it's tough to stop Caleb Love. And I also think that that is something that, you know, Duke didn't have either. You don't have that guy to to make that shot for as good as for as good as, you know, Paolo Bancaro is and how good the other players are. I don't know if they had the guy to make that shot, and I think North Carolina did, to, to really seal the fate to hit that three. And and in the end, as the game played out, Aaron, I, it, while as much as I thought the calls were going to go Duke's way, 
I just didn't think that they were going to be able to get a stop when they needed it most, and they're probably kicking themselves over free throws. But, I mean, just the, just the play of Caleb Love and the play that he made, I don't know if the Duke Blue Devils had that. Well, no, I agree 100%. And, and this was the first game where really all tournament, certainly, listen, the regular season was its own entity. The ACC tournament was its own entity. We know how Duke played, uh, you know, regular season ACC tournament. But at the same time, that was what stood out to me more than anything, was that it was really the first game where Duke did not have answers down the stretch. Now, they haven't faced a guard quite like Caleb Love in this NCAA tournament so far, but at the same time, Michigan State had them up against their backs against the wall. Duke responded, made plays. Arkansas, or excuse me, uh, Texas Tech had their back against the wall, uh, made plays. Arkansas playing them tough. Duke pulls away, uh, you know, late and wins convincingly. Last night was the first night they didn't have answers, and and that was one thing I think, like you said, Dan, that I don't know if surprise me is the right word or or the right emotion or whatever, but you kind of felt like, uh, you know, one the calls were going to go their way, all that stuff, but it just they just didn't have answers. They didn't have answers, and Carolina was the better team. They weren't the better team in the regular season. They weren't the better team. Even I would even argue early in this tournament, but they keep getting better every game. And the deserving team won with the best player on the court. Won with Caleb Love, obviously. I would argue Armando Bay got 21 points or 21 rebounds. Excuse me, eight offensive rebounds was the second best player on the court. The right team won, even if it wasn't the storyline we were all expecting. Yeah, and I think we get a better game tomorrow because of it. I, I, I mean, I, I think Kansas would have beaten Duke, and I don't know who wins tomorrow. Really so, quick, so. so yeah, we, go ahead. No, we talked about this a little bit on Friday. Um, my concern with Carolina coming into this game, and, and you know, listeners might be slapping their foreheads saying, what are you talking about? But we go back to last Sunday. I know you and George were on air during that St. Peter's game, and you see Hubert Davis's emotion. You see him crying. I wanted this moment for these guys. I wondered if emotionally they would be able to come back from that game, that moment in time against St. Peter's just to get to a Final Four. Now you're playing your rival. Okay, it's easy to bounce back. Do you worry at all? Because obviously we were all watching the game last night. They're celebrating as if they won the championship with one game left. Do you worry at all about them being able to just kind of put the Duke game behind them and move forward to Kansas I, I think it is. I think it is a, a, I think it is a legitimate worry. But it's not a it's not a matter of them making the game. Uh, it's a national championship game, so it's going to be important. Like even though you just knocked off your rival, whose coach of forty one years was announcing his retirement, even though that just happened, like you have to get up. You are not going to sleepwalk into a national championship game. The natural effects of what you were talking about would be the thing that I would worry where all of a sudden maybe the legs aren't there a little bit. Maybe there is just a little too much energy that was spent. I'm not sure how much Kansas had to spend. They seem to keep mm-hmm. Villanova at arm's length. And even though the Wildcats made runs at times, I don't know if they were ever seriously threatened. So, so I think it is legit, but emotion wise, like I, Duke and North Carolina came out flat yesterday. I don't think that is going to happen on Monday night. I just wonder what happens in the final 10 to 15 minutes of the game if that catches up with Carolina. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I think that those opening minutes tomorrow will be important. I know we have three hours to look forward to tomorrow as much as now is about looking back with Coach K. But that was just a quick question because I do think, and again, it's something I'm sure we'll talk about throughout the show, last night did have very similar vibes to last year's Final Four. Baylor cruises past Houston. Gonzaga, UCLA play an all-time thriller. Late into the night, emotional win. And we saw Gonzaga could not bounce back from that last year. And, and really, it was the first five, six, seven minutes of the game that Baylor jumped on them and they could never bounce back. Uh, and so 
again, we got plenty to get into right now. Is probably still about Coach K uh, and everything like that. But it was something I was kind of thinking about as far as last night. Yeah, time. yeah, and we can even talk about the the new the new world of college basketball because it is a new world order. We can do that. Let's just say we'll mark that down for about ten minutes because things did change. I sent out a tweet last night uh, along with probably fifty thousand other people. who had the same sentiment of just how how basketball is different. I am curious on just on how that plays out. I do want to just not to give equal time, but the Villanova Kansas game just just to to hit on that quickly. I I don't know if Villanova is fully healthy if they still win that game, but this to me and and even to take North Carolina Aaron, we talked about teams that are peaking uh, at the right time. And I guess that's always been the main point. But there are teams that we maybe left for dead in, in January and February that we just don't count on turning it on. And I think that that is, you know, I mean, I you know, probably for about three weeks, it just kept pointing. And during the selection show when we talked about it, kept pointing back to that Kentucky uh, win in Lawrence against Kansas. And, you know, it's it, in the new way of college basketball, where now transfer portal is such a thing, just the ability to get hot, I think now almost is more important as just being a great team. And and, and I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong in, in that this is a newer thing, that it's always been like this because of the single elimination uh, stature of this. But Kansas was one of those teams that I had coming into the tournament. They said, you know what? I don't necessarily love them as the number one seed. If there is going to be a number one seed knocked out, I think maybe it is going to be Kansas. And here they are playing in the championship game and very likely could be cutting down the nets on on Monday night. To me, it just feels a little different than maybe other times when teams have carried that banner all season long. I I think it's 100% on point. And it was funny uh, opening our show last night at 10 p.m. Eastern time. uh, The Duke-Carolina game was just underway, so there wasn't much to react to. And my partner on Saturday, Jason Martin, said, um, you know, man, I, I, I just have completely whiffed on this Kansas team. I did not think they were that good all year. And I said to him, I said, did you whiff or or is this just like the last two weeks? Because you look at even in the tournament, I'm not talking about what happened in December mm-hmm. or January. Yeah, you, you know where I'm going with this, Dan. I'm not talking about January 11th here. I'm talking about second round of the NCAA tournament. Creighton is down two starters. Kansas holds on to win by seven. I'm talking about the fact that uh, against Providence, basically a, a, a transfer named Remy Martins comes off the bench and gives them 13 points. Otherwise, they're struggling to beat Providence in the Sweet 16 and they hold on. I'm talking about the first half against Miami when they were down at half. Now, they've been great the last three halves, but it speaks to your point. Is I do think there's obviously, look, a, a baseline level of talent that you have to have, and that's maybe something to go back to Duke Carolina for a second. Myself, uh, you know, I'm as guilty of this as anybody. Spent so much time this week talking about Duke's talent. Carolina, of course, Armando Baycott's a McDonald's All-American. Caleb Love as well, former McDonald's All-American. So I do think you have to have a level of baseline. But like you said, I, I think that you can see these teams making big jumps late in the season and when I say late in the season I don't mean over the last five six seven weeks I mean over a one week stretch a two week stretch I mean this Carolina team from the say the 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 beginning of the NCAA tournament Kansas since the 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 sweet 16 elite eight to now it's completely different um, I don't remember it being quite like this either quite as drastic but this might just be the new world of college basketball 
He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. It is Fox Sports Sunday. Glad to have you with us here on Fox Sports Radio. Today's show is brought to you by Dollar Shave Club. The Dollar Shave Club six-blade razor brings noticeably smooth shaves with six stainless steel blades for swift hair removal and a lubricating strip that keeps things smooth. Dollar Shave Club razors are sold at dollarshaveclub.com or in stores. Get Aaron on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Beyer on Fox. We will be playing easy as one, two, three, four a little bit later on in the program, so Aaron will be in the the hot seat then coming up next the face of college basketball has now ridden off into the sunset who's there to replace him we talk about it next here on fox sports radio from bbc radio 4 britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip i thought in that moment oh my god we've summoned something from this board this is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the centurion lounge Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Fox Sports Sunday. I'm Dan Byer. He's Aaron Torres. Lakers are LeBron-less this afternoon. We'll let you know how they're doing at the bottom of the hour. David Gascon will give us the latest. Today's show is brought to you by Dollar Shave Club. The Dollar Shave Club six-blade razor brings noticeably smooth shaves with six stainless steel blades for swift hair removal and a lubricating strip that keeps things smooth. Dollar Shave Club razors are sold at dollarshaveclub.com or in stores. No one's going to be able to fill the shoes of Mike Krzyzewski. But there are going to be roles that have to be fulfilled now that the most popular coach, and I don't even want to say college basketball. I just want to just say in basketball, Aaron, now that the uh, most popular coach has uh, stepped aside and is retiring, we think, I don't know, unless this Tar Heels loss really leaves a sour taste in his mouth, maybe he wants to come back and, and Tom Brady or Jay Leno this one, but I think he's done. If he is done, who catapults into that top spot now in college basketball? Because for so long, 
long, college basketball was about the programs and it was about the coaches and kids moved on, whether they went to the NBA draft or even just, you know, fulfilled their four years. It always seemed to be kind of a coach sport. I even think that, the, you know, college football is with the likes of, of Nick Saban at, at times as well fills that role. But can anybody take the spot of Mike Krzyzewski? Um, I will no to answer your question. No, I mean, and and it's so cliche, but we are never going to see another guy forty three, forty two years, whatever you. I mean, I I put out this stat; it kind of blew me away just for fun. I was like, okay, let's put into context how how crazy it is, how long he's been at Duke. Okay, so I looked it up this morning. Would you agree with me, Dan, that John Calipari's been at Kentucky like a fair amount of time now, right? Like a reasonable amount of time. Would you agree with that? Sure, yeah, decade plus, yeah. Yeah, so Calipari just finished his 13th season at Kentucky. He would need to coach until 2050 to coach at Kentucky as long as as Coach K has been at Duke. So that gives you some context of how long Coach K has been at Duke, how incredible this run has been. And I think to the question that you brought up of, of who's next, I was thinking about this is the one thing that I think made Coach K who he is. He he is probably the greatest coach in the history of college basketball. But at the same time, what he did, and it's because of a million things through the years, some of his players, Christian Leitner, Grayson Allen, whatever, um, he caused emotion in people, right? You either love Duke, you hate Duke. You either love Coach K or you think that the media is too nice or the refs give him all the calls or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I was thinking about who is the next guy in college basketball or the next program maybe in college basketball. And I could only come up with two that I believe can fill the void to some degree of Coach K. I don't believe anybody can fully. Um, And part of it is I I think you have to be somewhat controversial, a topic. Like I look at even Jay Wright in Villanova or Bill Self with Kansas, and I don't think they're polarizing enough where we're ever going to lead a show on a Wednesday. Like, can you believe what Bill Self said? Like, that's just not who those guys are, how they're built. So to me, I believe there's only two two guys in two programs that can become the next face, good or bad, of college basketball. One, John Calipari, it's obvious, because he's very polarizing, won national championship, 13 years, all that talent, why hasn't he done more? And it's a topic we can all wrap our head around and discuss. I think the other one is Mark Few and Gonzaga, because as long as they don't win a title... Every year, again, they cause emotion. They they get they, you either love Gonzaga, love the story, little school in Spokane that turned into a college basketball power, or you hate the fact that they don't play anybody. And even when they win a championship, you better believe the conversation is going to be, well, it's only because they got a one seed because they didn't play anybody. So when I look at the face of college basketball, maybe the talking point of college basketball as a program, those are the two that immediately jump my, to yeah, mind. Yeah, I, I think that I think Cal is one for sure. We do have to give Cal a break. To your point. I mean, he went to a Final Four, you know, 26 years ago. So it's so he's Great been call. in the game. But to your point about you know the, you know how long he would have to to have that legacy at at Kentucky that Coach K had at Duke, yeah, there would it would be a it would be a long long time. The name that pops up to me because if you if you look at the list, I think it's naturally. Uh, that you would say, oh, well, Jim Beheim, because Jim Beheim's been there forever. He's won a national championship. But I, I almost think like that's over with. Like Syracuse doesn't seem to be Syracuse anymore. The other name, and I don't know how long this name wants to continue to coach, whereas few would have a longer time. I don't know if, if Calipari will be longer or not. I do think Tom Izzo still carries a lot of weight. Interesting, yeah. And I think that that, you know, for what Michigan State did uh, in his, you know, in, in, in his time there, which has been, what, 20, you know, 25 years, whatever he's been, in, uh, however long he's been in East Lansing, I do think that he has 
the voice and, and that he would have the ability to do that. But with all that being said, you have to be a, you, you have to be a national contender. Your team has to be in that top 10 every year. Your team has to be, you know, contending for national championships. And I'm in this year, you know, I ended up being a, a seven seed. I think that that is part of it, but he would be a part of it. I don't, I, I think that, you know what, Jay Wright's 60, you know, is. As, as well. So like, you know, Jay Wright is what he is. And if, you know, if they win another national championship, he'll have three and that'll be great. And it's the same thing with Bill Self. He's around that, that, that same age, you know, so to your point of, you know, like we've kind of gotten used to those guys. I still just think that Izzo has that cachet. I completely, uh, completely agree with with the Mark Few and Gonzaga angle, because I actually think that Gonzaga has been such a story in college basketball that it's I don't know if it's carried college basketball, but it's been a much bigger story than maybe people give credit for. And and, and one other point is I'm rambling on about this, but there's a reason. This stuff happens naturally. Great call. Like North Carolina happens to feel different with Roy Williams not there now. Like like Hubert Davis doesn't just all of a sudden now continue that going. Now if they win a national championship, maybe it takes a bit of a different feel. But to not have North Carolina be coached by Roy Williams made beating North Carolina a, di- a different animal. And if Hubert Davis has the great success early on, maybe that ends up returning. But it's not there right now. And so so the the, the people with the targets, Cal, obviously, I think Gonzaga's been the great story. But the, the other one that I would put there is Tom Izzo at Michigan State. Well, and I like that Izzo uh, – thing too because the reason I I like it is because again I do think to a degree he does cause emotion in people I think there were a lot of people that have seen some of the sideline outbursts and you can't coach that way in 2022 2023 2021 whatever Um, you know I remember uh, but you know whatever yeah I think there's a lot of that he is as you said an elder statesman he's kind of a guy at the point in his career he's not afraid to say how he really feels where again I love Jay Wright but I I can't think of one controversial thing Jay Wright has ever said in 25 years or whatever of being a college basketball coach and so um, I, I I like the Izzo thing. And then I think the other thing, too, is there is kind of an interesting pseudo storyline with that program that maybe isn't a national story right now this second as we talk about it, but it would be going forward. And that is the idea of he gets the one in 2000, excuse me. Um, I don't know what the biggest gap is between national championships, but if he were to win one 22, 23, 24 years apart, uh, I do think there would be a lot of people that would be happy because he is somebody that has said uh, many times over that he believes that his leg, he said, uh, I think it was 2020, the year that they were good enough to win it with Cassius Winston, the tournament was canceled. He said that, that he does think about winning a second national championship. And he does think about how important it is for a legacy that there's a lot of guys who have won one, but there aren't very many guys that have won multiple. And so, you know, listen, would it ever be Coach K if Tom Izzo's cutting down the nets again in 23, 24, 25, whatever it is? No, but I do think, like you said, because of who he is, how long he's been around, and the fact that he's not afraid to say stuff that riles people up, I think that's a good one to add to that as well. Yeah, I think that there are co- there are a couple of other coaches that, that could be on the cusp, but that just aren't there yet that could be on the horizon. I do think to not go very far from East Lansing, stay within the conference. If Juwan Howard wants to stay at Michigan, I think that's going to be an interesting voice moving on. 
Chris Beard at Texas, if that program uh, transitioning to the to the SEC, if they emerge, maybe that. But they're they're not there yet. They're they're not even not even close to being there yet. But those are some of the voices. But yeah, I think it's a I I think it's a threesome, and I think it's I think it's Cal, I think it's Few, and I would put Izzo in there as well. What a threesome! What a threesome! Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Sounds hot. He's Aaron Torres. <laughs> I'm Dan Byer. You can uh, find us on Twitter. Get Aaron at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. Tiger Woods making some news we'll get to that but we head over to the news desk first the one and the, the only who you can find on twitter at david j gascon david gascon is here for the latest what's going on dave what's up fellas what's up gascon not much not much what's the uh what's your guys's favorite major golf or tennis what's your favorite major event uh, that's it's this it's coming up it's augusta yeah yes absolutely what about yes. you aaron Mine is Augusta, but I do like what I call the British Open. I think I, I do too. Yeah, I just—it's <laughs> weird. The hours are off. It's the, always cold and yeah, rainy. Yeah, the weather's bad. Yeah, I don't, it, it's where you turn boys into men, Gascon. Yeah. <laughs> See, because I remember this last year. I think I had this conversation with Dan. I, and Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, but last year the weather conditions were absolutely god awful, right? Like the wind was blowing all over the place. Usually is. They had a little kinder, uh, but it's usually yeah, it's usually windy. It was that Royal St. George's last year. Yeah, um, I was the same. Yeah. I mean, I mean, everyone yeah. just has a, a brutal time finishing at par. It feels like, and the, the- I think the skill level when you're in that kind of condition is just. I enjoy it more as a as a fan than I do when a, on a picture perfect day. I agree. I just think there's something to it, and I think the hours are weird too. You wake up and it's on, and it's like the middle of the day, but it's cold, yeah. and everybody's wearing a sweater. Right. I love it. I really I'll, do. I'll tell you. I'll also say this for those of us on the West Coast, and I know this doesn't. Uh, fit with the people on the east coast we have to get up early to watch golf like normally yeah. like we're like hey this is awesome the nfl starts at 10 a.m you know <laughs> and when the games are done we could still go out to dinner when the east sure. coast is like great i can't even stay up for this yeah. it's the one benefit of living on the east coast with sports because it comes out in the morning but it's it doesn't kill the rest of your day when it ends and the so best part is dan the, too, the, the kicker on all that is because we're on the West Coast, we don't have to worry about the game in London, which is usually a dog game. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> Guys, uh, you'd mentioned, uh, Dad, LeBron being out today. The Lakers are holding, uh, hanging tough right now. They're only down by a point, 95-94. End of the third quarter, 95-94 is the count in this one. Uh, Nikola Jokic doing his thing. He's got uh, a handful of points, 28 in fact. Aaron Gordon, though, he's played well. He's got 21 of his own. Will Barton has 19. Lakers being led by Anthony Davis is 24. Russell Westbrook, guys, he's 10 of 12 from the field. Uh, he's got 21 what? points. Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know something's wrong with him. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Lakers without LeBron James, he's banged up today. Both teams are shooting ripe. Denver 56%, L.A. 60% from the field. Uh, still one more quarter to go in that one. Pistons 38, Pacers 34. Celtics trash the Wizards by 42 points, 144 to 102. Mavericks top the Bucks in Milwaukee, 118 to 112. Luka Doncic did have 32 points and 15 assists. Islanders 2-0 in Jersey. Panthers 5-3 over Buffalo. Dan, I think I'm going to do that this year. For the Open, I, I got to see you when we're both in the studio at the same time. I got to... Uh, one of my good friends, he lives in Wales now, but he bought me a vintage kilt. 
Oh, I'd love it. Well, yeah, I'd love to see it. Yeah, why not? Break it out. Yeah, I have not worn it yet. Part of it's just because I've been uh, what they call carb loading, you know, gaining my COVID-30. But sure. uh, I'll lose some weight I, and I'll bring it out. It's it's apropos that you say that because one of my traditions during the Open Championship is I always buy a roll of the Pillsbury cinnamon rolls. <laughs> you guys know that? Yes. And I so at least one of the mornings I will uh, make cinnamon rolls because I'll get up early to watch the Open Championship. <sighs> now, do you crack a dew with that? No, no, no. I'm trying to be done with the do, but oh, it is man. not doing me well. I am, I am trying. I am, I am trying my darndest. <laughs> can, I, uh, can I just yeah, say go ahead. thing? No, you, you, were, you were very nice there, Dan, saying you would love to see Gascon in his kilt. That's literally the last thing in the world I ever <laughs> want to see. So. Hey, I, I just, I, I love being in the spirit, you know, there happy you emotion. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Why not? Uh, by the way, great job by the Bucks to tank. You know, who, that, stay away from the number one seed. Just, you know, sit there and be two or three. Just let it all play out. That That's what you need to do. Brooklyn uh, sitting there right now, very, very close to being able to only be the eight seed. So, so if you can avoid that number one seed in the East, then you can maybe avoid Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in the first round, a topic we will get to in just a little bit. Tiger Woods has been making headlines. Aaron and I were in for Doug Gottlieb on Friday, and we talked about the the reports of Tiger Woods possibly playing the Masters. And we thought we'd have an idea maybe by Friday on whether he would play or not. But the Masters is different. The Masters is uh, not run by the PGA Tour. It's by, run by Augusta National Golf Club, and they have their own rules. So Tiger does not have to tell them a week in advance of, hey, I am going to be in the field or not. And that was made pretty clear today, Aaron, when Tiger sent out a tweet saying that he is headed to Augusta National. And in fact, we already have footage of him on the driving range trying to get ready, calling himself a game time decision for the start of the Masters on Thursday. He is also on the interview schedule, so he'll be meeting with the media coming up on Tuesday. When you saw this news, when you saw Tiger calling himself a game time decision, did the optimist in you come out or did the pessimist in you come out? I think it's the optimist, and I think it goes back to a lot of what you and I talked about on the Doug Gottlieb show. And it's funny because, and I love the guys that were on before us, Rich, Rich, and Steve. But I heard Rich kind of make kind of, a, and I think he was mostly joking, but but a comment about you know if Tiger gets in, I can't bet against him. Blah 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 blah. And I I think he was mostly being lighthearted there. But it's something that you and I talked about on on Doug's show on Friday, which is that at this point, anything Tiger gives us after you know. Everything that he's been through physically, emotionally, relationship-wise the last 15 years, and then, of course, most recently, the car crash, I think it's a bonus. And so when he is even in Augusta, when he is even considering it, and as you discussed on Friday, you know this used to be a guy that would only play if he believed that he could compete at the highest level. I don't know if as he gets closer to 45, 50, whatever years old that he is, that he's starting to look at it and say, I'm just grateful to be able to step out on the course. So to me, the fact that he hasn't ruled himself out yet means he wants to play. It's just whether he feels like he physically can. And I, I thought it was nothing but optimism today, honestly. And I think that's what uh, most of the people felt, and I didn't. I actually thought it was bad news. The, the really? reason I, yeah, the reason I say that, I even saw a headline saying, you know, optimistic news on Tiger Woods' status, and I could be completely way off base with all of this, but I kind of feel that he, he, when he went to Augusta National on Tuesday, that he probably kind of knew his answer, hmm. and to not have that answer yet makes me still think that there's doubt. And instead of it being 100% that you would get on on a Sunday, for me to think that he's not 
at 100%. I don't know how it changes in 96 hours. Sure. And that's the part of me that I just, you know, like, I I think it's great. I think it's awesome that he showed up. And very likely, Aaron, he just doesn't maybe want to put the cart before the horse and say, you know what, I'm back. And then if something happened on Tuesday, you know, be a setback and then him unable to play and unable to commit. But I think he probably got an idea on Tuesday, and maybe that is the better sign that that he is showing up, that he is hitting balls today, that he is in Augusta. Tuesday, it's supposed to rain. There's supposed to be storms. Who knows on how much work players are going to be able to to do. But Tuesday night is the the annual champions dinner, and he's said he's going to be a part of that. I just I was I'm just more and and, and maybe it's just the pessimist that is in me. I just. I don't want to say I kind of wish I just would have felt a lot more better if he was would have been 100 percent. Then it would have been like, oh, OK, because I still think that the door is open a crack that he may not tee it up on Thursday. Yeah, I, I think it's it's fair to question whether he will. And I think the point that you're making about him maybe not being 100 percent is fair uh, or, or, you know, not being 100 percent committed is fair. And maybe that's a bad thing. But, yeah, I, I just go back a little bit to what I said the other day of the idea that, again, man, we're, we just have have to live in this world and I don't think a lot of people are there yet Dan I really don't that anything we get from Tiger is a net positive yeah. um, that the you know the, the idea that he's just going to walk out of the course on Sunday in red and shoot 10 below par and blow everybody out of the like that's just not who he is at his age with everything that he's been through and so to, to your point I think it's fair to be cautiously uh, you could either be cautiously optimistic or a little bit cautiously pessimistic but uh, you know I'm, I'm holding out mm-hmm. hope that I see him but then again I, I would also go back to kind of what we've talked about is if he isn't going to be anything close to 100% and and he's the only one that knows do we really want to see him out there if he's just really 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 struggling yeah I think there are other dominoes effect as well as if he does struggle is that a setback does that preclude him from maybe playing in other tournaments and and if he doesn't does he still even want to play in those other tournaments he'd said his days of being a full-time player on the PGA Tour are long gone he's going to pick and choose where he wants to play and when he wants to play and I actually think that that could include majors like I think that there could be years if I, I don't think this would be as 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 I don't think the decision would come down to where it's coming down to if he didn't know Augusta like the back of his hand. Yes. If this was the PGA Championship and this was the the major that he was looking to prep, I think there'd be more skepticism and I don't think he'd be as gung-ho. I think that there are a lot of steps that he can skip mentally to be ready for a tournament because he knows that course so well. So that plays into his cards. Is he going to play a month from now at Southern Hills where he's won a PGA Championship and he's had success there uh, with a PGA championship goes there in May? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know if he's going to be in Boston for the U.S. Open. I have a feeling he'll be at the Open Championship in July in St. Andrews if he plays this week. But yeah, when he talks about picking and choosing tournaments, I don't think he's just talking about the PGA Tour. I think he's also talking about majors. I think that's totally fair. I think it's interesting to consider. I will also say this. Uh, as Gascon kind of brought up, we all like the majors. We'll all, or We all like the majors, especially the Masters. We'll all be watching but you talk about an extra level of interest uh, if Tiger was able to somehow get on the course, man. I, I, I'm i hopeful, again, but like you said, does it somehow turn into a negative if he tries to come back too early? I just hope that if, you know he's he's somewhere close to, uh, I don't even know what I would call it. I don't think he'd call it 100%, but just, yeah. you know, I, I just, I, I will say I really want him out there, but I don't want it to be at the detriment of, you know, his confidence or it, to put himself in a position where he might embarrass himself, frankly, for lack of a better term. 
He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Get Aaron on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Beyer on Fox. Another big event is happening later in April. I'm telling you, April, April is the ish, man. But is this big event as big as it has been in other years? We'll explain. That's next year on Fox Sports Sunday. Mike check. Mike check. Do you want exclusive insight from the biggest names in the sports game? What's good? This is national champion and former pro baller Chris Johnson. And let me tell you a little bit about my new series, KJ Live. KJ Live is the only show featuring me going one-on-one with the brightest basketball minds on the planet to get the real. And when I say real, I mean that real. I got legendary Hall of Famers, elite coaches, and the top basketball insiders bringing you a unique perspective on all things hoops culture that you will not find anywhere else. To make your next move your best move and tap in with me on KJ Live, wherever you get your podcast from. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Fox Sports Sunday, I'm Dan Beyer. He's Aaron Torres. A breather in between the men's Final Four, women's Final Four game taking place tonight. South Carolina taking on UConn and NBA action going on right now. Later on this month, the NFL draft uh, takes place. We'll have you covered here on Fox Sports Radio. And the NFL draft is live from Las Vegas. But it is a different feel this year. And and when when 
When you want to talk about the value of the quarterback position, Aaron, mm -hmm. in the National Football League, we obviously know how valuable it is. And it's actually going to be a part of a discussion we're going to have in 10 minutes because uh, quarterbacks run the National Football League. That is not a newsflash. But it also runs other aspects of the National Football League when it comes to drafts because when the NFL draft isn't a quarterback-filled draft, uh, there's – Maybe not the same feel as, as one where five guys could go in the first round with three of them in the top five. And that's kind of what we got this year. We don't have that heavy quarterback draft. We don't even we don't know if a quarterback is going to go top five, let alone top 10 with this year's quarterback crop. It's been really interesting just to follow the early coverage of the NFL uh, draft stuff because when I look at all of this, I mean, let me ask you a question, Dan. Doesn't it feel like we're pushing really hard to try and find narratives that aren't there? Like, I hear a lot of, well, Malik Willis this, and I mean, Aiden Hutchinson versus Kayvon Thibodeau. Am, am I crazy? It feels like we're already starting to yes. push for narratives, and so that seems fair to you? Yes. Yes. I, I do think, I'll, I'll, I'll put this caveat, I do think that teams now feel the need to maybe take a quarterback a little higher than they normally did because it's easier to move on from them so if you're going to roll the dice this is the time to do it but yeah like I, I I've, I've seen Malik Willis go two to the Lions and I've seen him go you know 11 <laughs> sure. or 12 you know or, or somewhere Teams, to Pittsburgh yeah. You know, yeah like it's yeah I've seen it all over the map well and the other thing too is I remember you know a few years ago when Kyler Murray was the projected number one overall pick e even then there was at least that interesting baseball versus football conversation that seemed to drag on and even when yeah. he knew even when you knew he was going to play football it was kind of the but is this really the right decision look at how small he is um, and then 2020 you have Joe Burrow 2021 you have the five quarterbacks that ultimately go in the first round and this one just feels like you know Aiden Hutchinson defensive lineman we got the offensive tackle from North Carolina I get all that and, and you know these are all players that can be franchise changing players but in terms of what we do in our business and, and try to create interest and try to create drama um I just don't know that those obvious storylines are there. I mean, to, to bring it back to what we were saying about Coach K earlier, the reason why last night's a little bit disappointing, Coach K creates interest whether you like Duke or not. Mm -hmm. um, and I think whether it is Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trevor, uh, uh, Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray, those are the guys, the quarterbacks are the guys that create interest, and it feels like it's certainly lacking this year. I think on the heels, even even in 2019, you gave it a little bit more credit than I even would have. Like there was, It was the Kyler Murray debate on what he wanted to do, but once he kind Kind of went number one overall. You kind of knew, and then it was just a, a ended up being a run of guys. And there were there were some guys later on in the draft where you're like, I wonder where he's going to go. But I, I mean, I even remember that one of being a little bit of a letdown as well. And that was on the heels of what happened in 2018 when you had five guys go, you know, in the first round, and you had one at number one, and you had one at number 32. So it was always it was always about that conversation. And we may have that next year. And this may be, you know. You know, 2020 was a great year when you had Burrow and Tua and Herbert all be a part of the conversation. And you had quarterbacks last year with Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson and Justin Fields. There's not going to be a, you know, a scenario where every single year there's going to be a quarterback-rich draft. And, and honestly, there aren't teams that, you know— 
because of the number of quarterbacks we've had in, there are still decisions to be made. But I would also say this, Aaron, I think some of the free agency yes. uh, of, of the NFL has also stolen a little bit from the draft because that used to be the high point of the NFL offseason was the NFL draft. And now when you see free agency, when you see the trades that were made in quarterbacks wanting out, I think that's also affected the draft a little bit as we look forward to it. Zero doubt. And what I would say is, you know, in some ways, because there aren't those definitive top two, three guys at the top, it makes it a little bit harder to project. But I do think in some ways it makes it a little bit easier, right? Like like we now know um, the Cleveland Browns do not need to be looking for a potential succession plan to Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, you go down the list, the Houston Texans, if they like Davis Mills, they're not looking for their guy. The Jet- so, so I just go in thinking that in some ways the lack of clarity at the top is going to make it more uh, wide open, but I think in some ways it's going to make it less wide open as well. And next year's draft should be interesting with the likes of Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud possibly available to be picked as well. So it won't be as dry uh, as maybe it is in 2022. Get Aaron on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. We talked about the crazy offseason in the NFL. The biggest story of the NFL offseason was blank. We'll tell you what it is next. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. You know, I do admit, I do get a little uh, teary-eyed when the end of the college basketball season comes around. But knowing that the Masters is on the horizon is a great, great way to uh, to make myself feel better. But once the Masters kind of goes away, Aaron, now we kind of start moving a little bit closer to to uh to summertime i know you're a huge college baseball fan so you've got <laughs> college baseball to worry about over the next month or, or just, so just or two. two weeks a year after the bracket comes out i pretend like i know everything <laughs> and i know nothing it's one of the few sports it's fun because i enjoy watching it knowing that i know nothing i think that's actually why a lot of people enjoy march madness they don't know about the teams you get to learn about the teams as they go on that's basically how i am about college baseball i pick it up you know a day or two before the tournament and then three weeks in i'm like oh how could you make that pitching change you know like like i know what i'm talking about it is more exciting than uh major league baseball though i mean like if a regular season game like like nothing nothing can match up to the postseason of of you know october baseball but you know you have limited games you only have so many i i do like the feel of college baseball i will say that for sure it's fun and and you know the um it's another one of those college sports that um, there's certain fan bases that get really into it. Yes. And you watch those games at Mississippi State or Arkansas. You know, I just saw Tennessee is number one in the country, and they're kind of a program on the rise. Um, you know, UCLA, USC, all that stuff. So, uh, no, I, I, I don't – I'm far from a college baseball expert. I, it, it is, though, like I said, I think in a lot of ways it is really fun to follow because I know I know nothing. Um but I'm excited. I mean, you know, I'm excited for the NBA playoffs, NFL draft, and of course, college baseball. My alma mater does not have a baseball team, Ooh. so there's uh, there was the is that problem. Wisconsin? Who's your yeah yeah that hasn't haven't had a team for 30 years. So I get but it. They they did have it at they did have it at one time, but uh, but no longer. Don't worry, we're not going to talk about college baseball. NFL is on our minds even in early April, and I. I this is this is perfect because I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there. You know where my mind is when it comes to the NFL and it's it's on the Seahawks. I want to welcome our newest affiliate, Central Oregon's new sports radio station, ninety six nine The Ticket. It's in Bend, Oregon, home of the Blazers, home of Oregon State football and basketball, 
home of the Seahawks as well. So Keith Shipman, who's the president there, if you ever want me on to complain about the Seahawks, and in better times I will praise them, but if you need me to come on to uh, complain about the Seahawks, I am uh, more than happy to do so. But want to thank, uh, again, news, our new sports radio station, our new affiliate in Bend, Oregon, Central Oregon's new sports radio station, 96.9 The Ticket. So welcome aboard. But there's uh, there, there's not a lot of happiness in uh, in the Pacific Northwest with the Seahawks direction. And there aren't a lot of expectations uh, for the Seahawks, not only in the Pacific Northwest, but also Las Vegas as well. Wind totals came out uh, for the upcoming season, the over-under for the Seahawks, and now a 17-game season, six. Wow. It's six wins. Yes. That this is this the, put it this way. The Jaguars are six and a half. Wow. But yes, that's that's where it's gone. Now, some of that I think plays into the division that they're in, but a majority of it plays into the type of offseason that it was. And one of the biggest stories in the NFL offseason was the Russell Wilson trade to to Denver. And when I teased it earlier, I said the biggest NFL offseason story was blank because I think we're there like with the draft on the horizon. We kind of need to know where Baker Mayfield's going. But other than that, I feel like everything's kind of been settled. Maybe the, the punishment for Deshaun Watson. But as I'm sitting there trying to figure out what was the biggest story this offseason, the reason why I think it's Russell Wilson's trade from the Seahawks to the Denver Broncos is this, Aaron, is I think that there's an argument that could be made for a lot of different stories. But this story to me affected two teams the most. It made Denver a division uh, contender. It made them, some people feel, a Super Bowl contender in the AFC. While it completely has changed the future of the Seattle Seahawks. And they aren't considered a contender by what I just told you. They aren't considered a contender in the NFC West. And that's why I think it's the biggest story, just because of the power shift that you saw from from two different teams. And it was something that had been hanging out there for over a year, and it finally came to fruition. So when we sit back and look back at this offseason, to me, with everything that's gone on, and there's been so much craziness, the biggest offseason story in the NFL to me was Russell Wilson's trade to the Broncos. Yeah, the only the the thing I would actually add to that too, and it might be a little bit of a stretch, but I probably don't think it's as much of a stretch as everybody else might when you hear it at first glance. I think it also put pressure on the Raiders to go get Devontae Adams, right? Is you just made the playoffs, you're in a new stadium, you or new city, new stadium, bringing a new head coach, and now all of a sudden, wait a second now, you already had to deal with Justin Herbert, you already had to outscore Patrick Mahomes, now you have to deal with Russell Wilson as well. So because I, I think there's always the, yeah. the trickle-down effect of it impacted the Seahawks, it impacted the Broncos, and I think it made the Raiders look in the mirror themselves, and, and some, was some of this in, in the process, maybe obviously we know the relationship with David Carr and Devontae Adams. But I just bring it up to say, like, I do think it put pressure on specifically other teams in the division. By the way, Khalil Mack goes to the San, uh, this, the Los Angeles Chargers. I almost called them San Diego. Good after save. They, yeah, after they've been in L.A. for like five years now. But, <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it put pressure on them to go get Khalil Mack. Obviously, the, the Chiefs have shaken up some things for different reasons. But I think that's part of that, too, with the Russell Wilson thing is when a division rival makes a move that big, it puts pressure on everybody else to keep up. I think that there there are some that that felt that the Deshaun Watson move was the biggest, considering the value of uh, draft picks that Cleveland gave up for him, and also the obvious situation involving Watson. But remember, he didn't play last year, 
So while now the Texans have gotten all these draft picks, which sure helps them, they still are pretty much the same team that will take the field this year that did last year. So like the fortunes of the Texans didn't change because Deshaun Watson didn't play. Your point about Devontae Adams. Now, if if Green Bay ended up trading Aaron Rodgers to a different team, it would have changed the value of Green Bay and it would have changed the value of whatever team that Rodgers went to. And heck, Aaron, that story's been gone going on even longer than the Russell Wilson story. So if Aaron Rodgers would have gotten traded to another team, I think that by far and away would have been the most you know shocking story, the biggest story of the, of the offseason. But uh-huh. he didn't. And it almost was, and, and when those things happen on the same day, Rodgers returns to Green Bay and Russell Wilson gets traded. That kind of also organically told you what was the bigger story. And it ended up being it was the Russell Wilson trade. And maybe it was because he was, you know, changing scenery and Green Bay, we felt was still going to be Green Bay because the Devontae Adams trade hadn't happened yet. But I think even if you just match those two up, the Russell Wilson story that day dwarfed what happened with Aaron Rodgers. 100%. And obviously there's a difference between the biggest and the most surprising. I would still argue, um, you know, in this same vein that – the Devontae Adams thing, I still think, I, I don't think it has been covered enough where it happened in real time and we're so shocked he's being traded. But I think the combination of Aaron Rodgers re-signing, even at the price that he did, I think once that happened, we all just assume, okay, well, he's not coming back unless this Dev- Devontae Adams must be figured out behind the scenes. We'll get a clarification on it in the next couple weeks. And then two weeks later, he's a Raider. And so, again, is it bigger than Russell Wilson going to the Broncos? I don't think so. But is it as shocking and surprising? I would say no doubt in my mind. And I think it really took about three, four, five days after the shock of the trade wore off to sit there and say, wow, everything that we thought we knew about the Green Bay Packers, the relationship between Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, they do the last dance post, uh, you know, at this time last year mm-hmm. or really last August, July, whatever it was. Like, it just showed, like, that to me, I still can't get over the fact that I, I just thought it was undercovered in the moment. Maybe the last week, 10 days that it has settled in that that relationship wasn't what we thought. And now it also brings into the equation with Tom Brady's return of, you know, where does Green Bay rank in the Super Bowl pecking order? Because pre Tom Brady, pre Devontae Adams trade, I think we all thought, okay, they're one or one A still with the Rams. Now the Rams have added pieces. The Bucks have Tom Brady back. And you're at best a distant third in the NFC, let alone behind all those. AFC team. So that's another one that, uh, you know, again, surprising versus most impactful is two different things. But I can't help but think that when I think about the Devontae Adams trade to Las Vegas. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is I think that we all felt, even though the Raiders made the playoffs um, and the Chargers were oh so close to making the playoffs, that you're still tracking down Kansas City. And then the Chiefs go out and trade Tyreek Hill. Yes. Like that. And it's crazy to think that the Tyreek Hill trade could be like the fifth biggest story that we had this offseason. Mm-hmm. I think you could maybe swap it with Devontae Adams, but uh, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm fine either way. The Brady return, the Rodgers, you know, going back to Green Bay, those were all big stories. And obviously the Arians retirement, which we connect to the Brady return as being a story as well. But the Tyree kill one was just to your point about Devontae Adams coming out of nowhere. The Tyree kill one to me was completely where it's like, 
up, not not going to be able to make it work. And while all these teams are now in an arms race, they're they're bringing in pass rushers like the Raiders are with Chandler Jones, and you mentioned Khalil Mack to the Chargers, and the Raiders are trying to add firepower, just like the Broncos tried to add firepower. Here the Kansas City Chiefs go, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take our most dynamic playmaker, and we're going to trade him away. Like so, so the Chiefs go one way while the rest of the AFC West is trying to chase after the Chiefs. To me, is something that I, you know completely caught off guard. That would be the most surprising one to me. Of just if you would have told me the day after the Super Bowl, yes. what do the Kansas City Chiefs look like? Um, Tyree Kill would have been a part of that conversation. Well, I mean, you could have told you could have told me you know, six hours before that trade. I mean, <laughs> it, it was just, I mean, you know, I, I remember just, uh, you know, walking around and I think the thing that, that we all kind of reacted in the same way to was we didn't even know this was possible. Like we knew yeah. that Russell Wilson, um, you know, very likely there was at least a possibility he wasn't back in Seattle. We knew if Deshaun Watson got cleared of criminal charges, he was going to be playing somewhere other than Houston last year, next year, excuse me. We even kind of knew, you know, Devonte Adams, the contract deal, is weird. It's not 100% positive he comes back. There was no scenario that I know of where anyone other than about three, four, five hours before the trade actually was consummated had any idea that Tyreek Hill would be anywhere other than the Chiefs. It kind of tells you how crazy this offseason has been. By the way, we also just glossed over, you know, you talk about the biggest or most surprising story of the offseason. I mean, Tom Brady retiring and unretiring. We, we haven't even mentioned that yet except in passing. That shows you how crazy this offseason has been. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Byer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Today's show is brought to you by Dollar Shave Club. The Dollar Shave Club six-blade razor brings noticeably smooth shaves with six stainless steel blades for swift hair removal and a lubricating strip that keeps things smooth. Dollar Shave Club razors are sold at dollarshaveclub.com or in stores. Get Aaron on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Bayer on Fox. We keep the conversation in the National Football League going. And coming up next, could one NFL owner be on the verge of losing his team because he screwed all the other owners over? We'll talk about it next year on Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Tor- I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. 
Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Torres goes into the hot seat in the bottom of the hour. Easy as one, two, three, four. Crew's here to help him out as well. That's in about uh, 12 minutes or so. It is Fox Sports Sunday. I'm Dan Bayer. He is Aaron Torres along for the ride today. Uh, sandwiched in between the national semifinal game and the national championship game in the men's tournament. Well, the women's title game tips off in about uh, 40 minutes or so. Uh, your UConn Huskies, Aaron, uh, going for the title tonight against South Carolina. They Got are. It. Fun fact, UConn, as, an, as a basketball school, 15-0 and in national championship games. 11-0 and for the women, 4-0 and for the men. So That's no a pressure. great stat. That That's is, right? really, really good, actually. Yeah. Uh, and first, UConn, by the way, you talk about you know droughts. We're talking about Calipari has been the Final Four since 15. Uh, UConn hasn't won a title since 16. It feels like a long time. For forever. UConn. Yeah. Well, I've been yeah. a multiple, uh, you know, uh, not multiple, but I, I, I've, you know, they, they've made the final four. Every, they made the final four, I think, thirteen straight years, which is incredible on the women's side. But so that would be what five straight years that they've lost in the semifinals. So they over they overcame that hurdle. Um, they overcame that hurdle on Friday night against Stanford. They held on to win, and I'm excited. You know, Dawn Staley's kind of that. You know, we talked about. Who's next in college basketball? Who's knocking on the door? Dawn Staley's been very successful, so it's not to say that she's, uh, you know, John Shire level or whatever. But you know, you you start talking about uh, a, a coach that that her program is on the rise. She's already won one national championship. If she wins a second one now at a pretty young age, she's fifty one years old. Uh, she becomes that that permanent permanent thorn in the side of Gino. So uh, so yeah, I'm very excited to see the game tonight. And he's been in the thorn of the side of many throughout his career. So the women's title game again coming up in about 40 minutes or so. Uh, we'll see if they're celebrating in stores tonight. Hurting a little bit in Philadelphia. That's where we head right now. Villanova's run to a national championship cut short yesterday. But we're not going to talk college hoops with Adam Kaplan. No siree. We are going to talk NFL as he is our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider. Also, here on the Inside the Birds podcast, Adam Kaplan joins the program again. Hello, Adam. How are you? Guys, good to talk to you. Yeah, Villanova, tough loss there, but uh, they, they gave it their all. They're down, obviously, their second best player. So that knocks them out, and uh, looking forward to the championship game tomorrow night. Is Dan Snyder uh, looking forward to maybe not being the Washington Commanders owner? Uh, for those that missed it, report coming out uh, late last week that said that the congressional committee was going to look into the finances, and now it seems to be that he may have been holding back ticket revenue from the other owners. What's the latest in D.C.? Yeah, and that one I think is from a guy I used to work with at FoxSports.com, A.J. Perez. I think it might have been for front office sports, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So here, here's let me explain how this works. So. All teams share ticket revenue. The certain part of it has to go to each the 31 other teams. If they were legally withholding money, that's going to be very detrimental to Dan Snyder's ownership of the commanders. Uh, amongst all the accusations that have come out against uh, him and the club, this is, this is perhaps the most egregious from a business standpoint. We know the off-the-field stuff. Um, and the NFL is also yeah. still has their investigation uh, going on because remember they would not let the commanders do their own investigation. Uh, they they have a uh, you know a league investigation on, on the off the field stuff. So, look, this is pretty serious. This is a pretty serious accusation here. 
and we'll see where this goes and whether the team, excuse me, the league has anything to say about this. Uh, but it's a pretty serious it, situation. And I think when you look at Dan Snyder of all the owners, no one in my certainly 19 years of covering the National Football League has taken more heat and got more criticism, uh, so, though sometimes is a little critical more than you would normally get. A lot of it's justified based on what I've known. Is, is this, it, 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 just to follow up on this, could this be the straw that breaks the camel's back? And when I when I say that, it always seems that there's this narrative when something goes wrong in Washington is how could the other owners let him own this yep. team? Yep. Is this the one because they're the ones getting screwed that could <laughs> yes. end the tenure? Yeah, in fact, when you and I have talked about this, Dan, you've asked me about him. I'm like, no, he's not going to be able to. He's not selling the team. It's Remember the, the accusations that came out of the Washington Post? Oh, a year yeah. or so ago. And yep. I said, it's not going to happen, but it's not going to be pretty. And of course, they came up with the worst punishment ever. Oh, geez, he has to, for a year, not be around the team, which turned out to be nonsense. His wife got the team. It's just, that was a joke. That was embarrassing for the league. Should have gotten a way stiffer penalty, but he lost the draft picks, whatever. There should have been w- way more um, sanctions than he got. But this one, because when you allegedly cheat other owners, you're going to be in trouble if it's true. That is one that da- that Dan Snyder has to be able to explain. I'm very interested to see what kind of statement they put out. They're going to have to respond to this, by the way. That that would be the next thing over the next week. Is they're going to have to they're going to have to respond to this. I'm very curious about what their response would be. So, Adam, I know it's it's always a touchy subject when it comes to Colin Kaepernick, but uh, you know, through yesterday at Michigan, and and I thought it was kind of notable for for a few reasons. One, I could be mistaken, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the first time I remember him publicly saying that he's willing to be a backup, just wants a chance to contribute somewhere. But then, two, you know, something I, I was thinking about is. Nobody wants anybody not to get a chance if if you know they're they're equipped for the job. But I do think we have now gotten to the point that like you know this has been a topic for so long. Colin Kaepernick is now thirty five years old. Yeah, he's been out of the league for six years, and I, if he is capable of being a backup, I want him to get the opportunity. Like I think everybody does. But have have we gotten to the point now where it's probably a little bit unfair to expect a thirty, you know, soon to be thirty five year old quarterback been out of the league for six years? It's almost a decade since that Super Bowl run. That. It, I don't even know where to go, but but first of all, you know, has he ever really publicly said I'm willing to be a backup? And then more importantly, is there any real belief that that he can still contribute at some level for some team, or is there interest anyway? All right, let's start with his willingness to be a backup. I'm told that's true. Uh, that he's always said, he's maintained that he would have no problem with it. By the way, uh, let's not forget his one visit over the last four years was with the Seahawks, talking to them. Uh, they liked their meeting with him. Uh, they decided to go in a different direction. That was Geno Smith, if I'm not mistaken, who's they, they actually went back, uh, who's who's in his 30s as well. But that's a ringing Cap- endorsement. Yeah, I know. The, the thing with Kaepernick <laughs> is, is that he's physically in great shape. Um, I'm also told he's never stopped throwing, and he saved all his money. It's not a money grab. He doesn't need the money. He's done very well off the field. He has has a book. Um, look, we know that he sued the league. He won. They had a settlement. Uh, undisclosed amount for a lot of money. So, look, they, the teams have to decide, do you want to bring in a guy that could be an, a very, obviously a very good upgrade? Um, that, I think, Aaron's, I think your, your, your point about Bill wanting to be a backup is certainly a, an issue for clubs because he has to understand he's going nowhere to compete for a starting job. If he ever gets a chance to be in a camp, he will only be a backup the rest of his career, and he needs to look at it that way. 
But he, here's what someone close to him told me. He just wants to play football, which means playing, means being a backup quarterback. He, he's aware of that. So to answer your question, that's my understanding. Adam Kaplan, our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider, joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. It is Fox Sports Sunday. Get Adam on Twitter at Kaplan NFL. When do you think a Baker Mayfield trade will happen? When the Browns find a team that is willing to pay his, or, 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 or at least a team that says we'll take him, they may or may not want that $8.85 million, like the Seahawks or somebody like that. The Seahawks would make the most sense to me. Because I know they're trying to be nice about Drew Locke publicly, but I, I just know the way Drew Locke is looked upon around the league not very well as a starter. He's just not. Um, as a former second-round pick, he's got issues with mechanics. He's just not good enough, and mm-hmm. they know they're going to have to add someone. They're going to, whether it's in the draft or, or in a trade. They have to do something. Uh, now, the problem with Baker Mayfield is that he's coming back from major left shoulder surgery. He will not be ready till the summer. And to pay a guy you know, just under $19 million, you have to decide what your recourse is. Is he? What is he going forward? Is he your starter? Well, if you just looked at the, the, the landscape right now, that list of 11, 12 teams that need a starter is drilled down about three or four, and the Seahawks are one of them. And that's, you know, quite frankly, if you just graded or, or ranked them all, that's probably the best opportunity for him. But so far, the Seahawks, as I understand it, have not uh, shown enough interest in him. We've heard Pittsburgh, uh, obviously, with Mitch Trubisky, uh, yeah. you know, kind of there. What else would be a realistic option outside of Seattle, maybe Pittsburgh? Yeah, I don't believe Pittsburgh's in on it, I'm told. Uh, they really want to go with Mitch Trubisky as their starter. I'm told also with Trubisky, he was under the understanding that, if anything, they would bring in, a, they would draft a quarterback, not particularly in the first round, but no one who would be a serious threat. That's why he decided to sign early. You know, the Bills wanted him back, um, but, you know, he wanted to start. This is his best opportunity. But when you look at the, the, just the landscape, where could he go potentially to start? Uh, Carolina, I'm told, is not interested at this point. Um, they are looking at the draft. Uh, Sam Darnold, he also is making the same exact salary as Baker Mayfield, $8.85 million, uh, which is fully guaranteed, by the way. That's why Cleveland won't cut him, because they would own that, and... <laughs> They're in the hole for a lot of money now. They were, they were in unbelievable cap shape, but um, they've got a challenge right now. There's really nothing, really, quite frankly, the, the Giants aren't on them, I'm told. There's really nowhere else I could see um, that's really serious. And then don't forget, Jimmy Garoppolo's got to be moved. The, the, the Niners really, really want to go with Trey Lance as their starter. Remember, folks, they give up a ton to, to trade up. And you can't, when you make a trade like that, it's one thing if you just drafted a guy you didn't trade up for him in the first round. But when you give up the compensation that the Niners did to move up significantly, you can't sit on this guy for two years. You just, he's got to play. Got to play. Adam Kaplan, our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider. Get him on Twitter, at Kaplan NFL. Just want to leave you with this. Anything more to the Bruce Arians retirement? Are we connecting dots with Tom Brady? Is it truly um, just uh, the time is right? Or They deny it, uh, just talking to them. But I, I look, here's what I will tell you. That, let me just tell you about Todd Bowles and Bruce Arians being a Temple guy myself, I know that they've known each other for nearly 40 years. Bruce wanted Todd Bowles to be a successor. That's not, in, that's not mm-hmm. up to debate. The timing is very, very interesting. You know, the, the, the Bucks had to get some things cleared, cleared up with the league. Uh, but it is interesting that Brady decided after six weeks to come back when he kind of knew what was in the works for Bruce to uh, retire. And the other question is with Bruce Aarons, this front office role, I, I don't quite understand what it is. But the fact of the matter is, 
Bruce is done being head coach. He, I, he's one guy I don't see coming out of retirement, for the record. I don't see it at this sure. point. Sure. It is. It, it, the front office, like if he wanted to ride off into the sunset, you're like, okay, I get it. But the transitioning to the front office role was the thing that kind of just, I, usually guys just move on. If they, if they don't want to coach anymore, they're done. Yeah. You know, they're not sticking around in the office or doing anything like that. Adam Kaplan, we're not going to let uh, have you have to stick around with us anymore. You can get on with your Sunday, <laughs> enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll talk to you next weekend. All right, guys. Thank you. See you. Adam Kaplan, our Fox Sports Radio NFL insider, also on the Inside the Birds podcast. Get him on Twitter at Kaplan NFL. Today's show is brought to you by one of our favorite cities, Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Every game, match, race, and competition, it is always on. No one does sports like Vegas, and the excitement is endless. So make sure to plan your trip today at visitlasvegas.com. Aaron Torres enters the hot seat of easy as one, two, three, four, after David Gascon gives us the latest of what's happening on this Sunday, April 3rd. What's happening? Dave. When was the last time you guys were in Sin City? I'm going next week, by the way. Are you? Well, I'm going yeah, to see Your family. mom lives there, right? That's what I'm Aaron, going to do, yes. the post-college hoops. Oh, uh, I've ignored you for six weeks. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I feel guilty about it. I'll be going to stay with her for three or four days. Wait, yeah. she moved from Connecticut out to Vegas? She bought a retirement place. Nice. Uh, she's out there basically from January till about May every year. So, oh. The last time I did a, a guys' guys trip, I, by the way, uh, you know, if our boss is listening, I will have to take uh, a weekend off for a bachelor party this weekend, this summer. So I'll be going soon for the, for the guys' stuff, for the fun stuff. But nice. just going the family stuff this time around oh okay dan what about you little it's been a been a couple years yeah it's you know it's pre-covid yeah yeah in a long time do you guys ever hit the tables blackjack craps sure roulette well roulette that's are you a roulette guy yeah yeah i got i got turned on to it the last time and you know i like i think people who just like numbers yeah you know just feel like oh that's my number you know, it's fun. Now, do you do, do you do numbers or do you do rows or um, inside or numbers? Outside I, yeah, I, yeah, I only do numbers. Okay. Uh, I'll do. You know, if you're on a, if you're on a bad streak, I'll go red or black just yeah. to maybe try to win something to break the sure. the mojo. But you're not going green though, right? No, <laughs> no, that is not happening. Man, the first time I ever played craps, this was like early 2000s. I had a buddy of mine straight out of the uh, the navy. Um, we he's like, hey, put a dollar on uh, on box cars and snake eyes. And I said, all right, fine. Dude hit snake eyes five times in a row. And Whoa! Like, yeah, that's thirty to one odds, if I recall. Um, and you were hooked. Yeah, I was hooked after that. I love crap, man. <laughs> I, it's, but yeah, I was just like, oh, that's how they really end. Yeah, man. I, I've always had good success either playing with a newbie or people that had just never experienced craps before, and. Uh, you know, it's like a community game, so everyone wins together, can lose together, so a little bit different. Misery loves company. That's that right. for sure. That's yep. right. Speaking of Iowa football. No. Oh, jeez. Uh, oh, that was actually really good, though. <laughs> was, guys, uh, Lakers lost. Why a, did I deserve that? I was just I was having a good time. No provocation. Um, Guys, how about this? Denver and L.A. today in Los Angeles. There is a very strong chance LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony will not be a part of this year's playoffs. Wow, how the mighty have fallen. This afternoon from Los Angeles, Nuggets beat the Lakers 129-118. to Boy, I mean, it sounded like Denver won the national or the NBA title no. last year, right? <laughs> 
I, Sounds listen, like they're going 82 and 0 in the regular season this year. They were probably going to finish in the top six anyway. Yeah. But there could have been a scenario where the Timberwolves maybe get hot, Nuggets fall on their face. They yeah. could have fallen into the play-in tournament. But no, the Nuggets announcing team feels let's stomp on the graves of the Lakers while we have them. <laughs> That's that is amazing, right? Yes. <laughs> That's an amazing call. But anyways, the guys that did the work on the court, Nikola Jokic had 38 and 18. He was a monster today. Will Barton had 25. He was 6 of 8 from downtown. Aaron Gordon had 24. He was 9 of 14 from the field. So Denver wins it by uh, 11 points, 129 to 118. Boston 144. Washington 102. Jalen Brown had 32. Jason Tatum with 22. Boston, in fact, had seven players today go in double-digit scoring as they carved up Washington. They shot 62% from the field in this contest. Uh, a couple other games today. Knicks over the Magic, 26-18. to 18. Right now it's in the first quarter. Mavericks win in Milwaukee by six. Luka Doncic, 32 points and 15 assists. On the ice, Islanders 4-2 over the Devils. Panthers win. Senators win. Flyers and Rangers in about 30 minutes from now. Uh, guys, a couple of things. Thad Mata, brand new head coach again for Butler. He returns. He was Ohio State head coach in 2017. And then Tiger Woods with an update saying he's going to be a game-time decision for the Masters. That Augusta course should be ripe, as you mentioned. Dad, was it rain tomorrow or rain on Tuesday? Rain Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, okay. could see some sprinkles on Wednesday as well. That's when I will be there. I'll be there on Wednesday. All right. Bring the bad weather of L.A. to uh, to Augusta. Um, <laughs> It's, it's kind of weird. You see a little bit of rain on the floor here in Los Angeles. Nobody can drive. <laughs> Nobody can walk. Um, Nobody can walk. Yeah, it's kind of odd out here, but uh, anyways. <laughs> Our legs stop moving. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. But anyway, back to you, fellas. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Don't go far. Aaron Torres may need you as a lifeline. It is Fox Sports Sunday. May. I'm Dan Byer. He's Aaron Torres. Yeah, you, you got three lifelines, you know, three guys mm-hmm. to help you out. David Gascon is one of them. Iowa Sam, who's being pulled out from under the bus that Dave just drove over him on. Our technical <laughs> producer is here as well. As is our executive, uh, it, our executive producer, Ryan Bershinger is here as well. It's time to play easy as one, two, three, four. The goal is to get a perfect score of 10. Aaron, I give you a topic. You don't have to give me all of the correct answers, just some of them. And we start out with this question. Name one of two college basketball head coaches in the history of the game who spent the least amount of time as head coach before winning an NCAA title. Now, Hubert Davis would be just one year on the job if he gets it done, winning a title in his first year if they get it done tomorrow night. But right now, who are the two coaches who spent the least amount of time as head coach before winning an NCAA title? Unless this is a trick question, I feel pretty confident in saying Steve Fisher, who in his first six games as a head coach won six games to win a championship at Michigan. Okay, is that your final answer? Assuming there's not some weird caveat because he was sort of an intern but sort of a head coach, yes, that is my final answer. Show me Steve Fisher. Yes, yeah! there he is. Steve Woo! Fisher is the, uh, the answer. You know who the other one was? I actually don't. Your boy Kevin Ollie. Oh, that's In so obvious. In his second year. Yes. Oh, his second year, uh, Kevin Ollie at UConn. Call. I, I, w- I would have been so mad if I didn't get that, so I'm glad Steve Fisher immediately came to mind. <laughs> uh, Aaron Dolphin running. One for one. All right. Name two of three schools that have appeared alongside Kansas or North Carolina in the last three national championship games that have been played in New Orleans. 
It's kind of crazy when you think about the great success that Kansas and North Carolina have had when the Final Four uh, does lead to New Orleans. But name two of the three schools that appeared alongside Kansas or North Carolina in the last three title games played in New Orleans. Okay, I only know this because I, I just recently heard this, but I will go Kentucky, which played Kansas in 2012. Do we do do you want me to give both now or do you just yes, want to give the first yes, ding first? Both. Okay. Yep, no nope, Um do I get extra credit if I get all three, by the way? No, you don't. Okay. Syracuse no, don't. in two thousand, I guess it would have been three, beat Kansas in the title game. Those all are right. my two out of three. You're, and I'll give okay. you the third one when you're done. All right. Show me Kentucky. There they are. Yep, they did beat Kansas a decade ago. Show me Syracuse. And another great title game giving Jim Beheim his other or his one national championship. Go Michigan ahead, in '93 was the one before that, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. Donald Williams in North Carolina beating the timeoutless Michigan Wolverines. Sorry, I'm getting a little cocky over here. I got to calm down. Yeah, I can't, I'm gonna <laughs> blow this big time. Oh man, I'll tell you what makes me want to change this question since you're uh, no, off no, no. to such a good start. Uh, you know what? This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna let you simmer on this one. Oh no. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm not even gonna give you the question, but Aaron Torres right now three for three. All of his lifelines still available has a chance for a perfect score he is Aaron Torres I'm Dan Byer easy as one two three four continues next here on Fox Sports Sunday O'Doyle rules Fox Sports Sunday I'm Dan Byer he is Aaron Torres Aaron a perfect three for three so far and easy as one two three four I hope if you're driving along in your car you also have a perfect score if not don't worry there's opportunities in these next two questions for you to make up for it Aaron are you ready to continue as you have all of your lifelines available you ready to go I'm so ready I've you been- sound like it let's go you Whoa. know maybe you're just in the zone I am ready Ready to go. Now we uh, shift gears. We had some college basketball to start out the game. Now we transition. Did you change the questions in the middle of the segment because I was getting too hot? Well, I try to make them timely with stuff that's going on right now. And so, obviously, college basketball, big part of it. We're smack dab in the middle of the Final Four. And so there were questions there. But it's also we have the NBA season winding down. And that's where our third question leads. Aaron named three of the four teams that played in last year's Eastern Conference play-in tournament. Last year's Eastern Conference play-in tournament. Yes. You have lifelines to help you okay. out with the question. Ryan Bershinger, Iowa Sam, and David Gascon are available. Okay. Um, the Washington Wizards, the Charlotte Hornets, and then I am going to go to a lifeline. Anybody feeling hot? Anybody feeling lucky today? Gascon, Roulette, Vegas, you feeling confident you can get one out of two? I'm going to defer to Ryan Bershinger. Ryan Bershinger, you feeling confident you can get one out of two? Um, the two I came up with were the two that you said. Oh, look at that cop out. It's <laughs> a good cop out, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, it Damn is. it, you're good. <laughs> he totally picked North Carolina and Kansas in his bracket, too, Bershinger right. did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, teams that played in last year's Eastern Conference playing tournament. Got Wizards, you got Hornets, just need one more answer. Uh I'm not Googling real quick. Good. I appreciate no, that. No, 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 no. I'm trying to go through the teams that were in the main bracket. Okay, so who was the number one seed last year? It was... How do I not know this? Philly, this is, Boston. I think San, the West was a bit easier. It was. It yeah. was It was uh, the Lakers and Warriors. And, um, 
What happens if I miss? Is the game over? Or no, no. You just go score? to the next question. You just don't get all the points. All right. Um, I think I'm wrong on this, but I'm going to say it anyway, since, no, since all my lifelines are not stepping up to the plate at all right now. I seem to remember the Miami Heat being very disappointing after making the finals in the bubble. So I don't feel confident at all in that, but I'll say the Miami okay. Heat. All right, show me the Washington Wizards. You were confident about that. Wizards were in as the eight seed last year. Russell show me Westbrook. the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, Russell Westbrook, a member of that team. Hornets were also in. They were the 10th seed. Oh, no, 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 no. And I want to change my answer. Oh, boy. No, you are Google lucky. Anything. Go ahead. Go Bo- ahead. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch Boston Celtics over Miami Heat. Okay. Show me the Boston Celtics. Yes! That is correct. I, I remember I, I remember a Wizards-Celtics game, I think, or a Hornets. I think it was the Hornets-Celtics. I, I, I remember some green somewhere Wizards and Celtics played, yep, yes. and Boston won and got the seventh seed and then faced Brooklyn, and Washington had to go on and beat Indiana, oh, who was the Indiana. other answer. Indiana tops Charlotte in the game, and then in the 8-9 game played to get the eight seed. Me having obscure sports knowledge in my if, head comes through, yes. If George Reister was there, we would not have allowed him to change his answer, especially with the way he treated David Gascon last week. That is Ooh. uncalled for. Uh, finally, Aaron Torres, name four of five of the quarterbacks taken ahead of Colin Kaepernick in the 2011 NFL Draft. 2011 NFL Draft. Yes, there were five quarterbacks taken ahead of Colin Kaepernick. Okay. Name four of them. I think I remember this being a really embarrassing quarterback draft for teams. I'm going to go Blaine Gabbert. I'm going to go, you're going to laugh at this name, Jake Locker. That's, I need three out of four or four out of five? Four out of five. Wow, four out of five. You got lifelines. You got Gascon. You got, well, Burst didn't give you much help. You got Iowa Sam. Cam Newton was 2011. Cam Newton was 2011. uh, The 2011 NFL draft, yes. Yep. So I'm saying Cam Newton. I'm saying Blaine Gabbert. And I'm saying. Was Blake Bortles there in there too? Blake Bortles was later. He was like 13, 14, somewhere in there. Blaine Gabbert, uh, Jake Locker. What was Carson Wentz? Wentz was after too. Wentz yeah. was the golf draft, like twenty sixteen. Is it that? Um. Oh, anyone feeling good? Anyone feeling was, lucky? Was Christian Ponder that year, or was he Christian Ponder? Final stay. answer. Those are my oh. four. Okay, are you ready? Show me Cam Newton. He was the first overall pick in the twenty eleven draft. Show me Blaine Gabbert. Went 10th to Arizona (laughs) in that year. Show me Jake Locker. Went 8th to Tennessee that year. And finally, did Bursch come in and save the day? Show me Christian Ponder. There is a perfect 10-4-10. Bursch, Bursch. Burst, That's burst, a team burst. effort. We, burst, we love burst, to burst. we love to see it. Oh man, the oh. other guy ahead of him, Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton. Uh. The reason I remember that draft <sighs> is because that was the year that I began to understand that quarterbacks are always overvalued. 
I was like, there, no one watched Jake Locker or Blaine Gabbert <laughs> and was like, you know who I got to take in the top 10? Jake, you know, Jake Locker, yeah. He's projected as a third I, according to Mel Kuyper, but we're going to take him 11 overall. I also think there was extreme arrogance in the coaching staffs and front offices to okay. feel that they could take a quarterback and make them into what they wanted. Agreed. And right. I also think that nowadays it's completely different when you're trying to take the strengths of the quarterback to fit uh, what would be best for your team, and that's to play to his strengths. Good job, Aaron Torres. Perfect. Score. Get him on Have Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Bayer on Fox. Who had one heck of a Saturday night last night? We'll tell you next year on Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I like how Iowa Sam was dropping drops of me in my show. So you didn't know if I was actually saying what I was saying earlier or not. Having Sounds a good hot. time on Fox Sports Sunday. He is Aaron Torres. Get him on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Byer on Fox. Today's show is brought to you by one of our absolute favorite cities. That's Las Vegas, the greatest arena on earth. Plan your trip today at visitlasvegas.com. You want to know another great city, Aaron? I can. Uh, I would love to know. Yeah, Bend, Oregon. I agree. That's where our brand new affiliate is. Central Oregon's new sports radio station, ninety six nine. The ticket. Welcome aboard, home of the Blazers, Seahawks, and Oregon State football and basketball. Props to Keith Shipman, the president up there. But we are now heard in Bend, Oregon. Love it. Beautiful country, beautiful part of the country. Uh, as you said, Oregon State football program on the rise. You're their, their Seahawks correspondent, so we got a lot going. <laughs> can, we mentioned earlier how misery loves company. Maybe we'll just, uh, you know, I'm offering up therapy sessions throughout this season on 96.9 The Ticket uh, in Central Oregon uh, throughout the Seahawks season, if it's as bad as we think that it could be. But that's for another time. It's for another day. Let's focus on the good. Let's focus on the positive let's focus on what happened last night in the national semifinals and while so much of our attention and honestly Aaron rightfully so North Carolina Duke was the headliner it was and it ended up living up to the expectation like that was a great game uh, goes down to the wire North Carolina hits a couple of big shots Duke missed some free throws and what do you know the Tar Heels as an eight seed are now in the national championship game but it did overshadow what was a good matchup. I don't know if it was a good game or not between Kansas and Villanova, but a Kansas team has turned it around, and now Bill Self has his team in the national championship game once again. It was just a, a dominant start-to-finish effort, and, and it was interesting because I was curious um, going into the Duke game because uh, when, you, when I look back at this week as a whole, it felt like the narrative pretty universally was – Kansas is really good. Villanova is undermanned. Kansas is going to win. And then it felt like everybody thought Duke was going to win. So I, when the first game goes exactly as it's scripted, I was curious how the second game would go. Obviously, we saw the history there. But no, listen, I mean, not every game is going to be an all-time classic. That's okay. And credit mm-hmm. to Kansas for showing up. Um, Villanova, I, I don't think they have anything to be ashamed about. I don't think this is they were overrated or they didn't deserve to be here. Uh, I think they got through probably the toughest bracket that there was with Arizona, Houston, Tennessee. They didn't 
even play all these teams, but in their bracket. And so they get there, they lose a, a key player going into the game. Size has been an issue for this team all year. They they obviously, Dave McCormick had the best game maybe of his entire career, but certainly of the last couple weeks. And so now Kansas headed to the national championship game. Credit to Bill Self, uh, third title game since I guess it would be 08. Uh, and Kansas looking for another national title. It may sting for Jay Wright, but you racked up another Final Four appearance, so that goes on the resume as well. A second national title for Bill Self would would absolutely, absolutely change his resume. Do you think he changed it last night with all of the, the I don't want to say the the struggles that Villanova had or the problems that Villanova had and how they were maybe short uh, shortchanged coming into this game. Uh, did, do you think Bill Self won anything last night aside from that game? Um, no, I, not necessarily. I think the one thing is, is that, again, it, it goes to all of these historical conversations that we're having, is it, it not last night, if they are to win, though, there is something there from this perspective, Dan, and a couple people brought it up yesterday, and I did think it was a good point, um, is that 2020, the tournament that was canceled, Kansas was the odds-on betting favorite. And so that was a year that they could have won it. Obviously, uh, 2018, they made a Final Four. They did lose to Villanova in that one. And so it's... You know, what does it all mean? Would they have won in 2020? Who knows? But to get to a title game two years after you had the best team, you made a Final Four in 2018, mm-hmm. when you're just talking about big picture programs, I, I think Villanova's probably a little bit ahead of them. It depends on how you feel about Gonzaga, the conference that they play, and all that stuff. But if you want to say, like, the most consistent program as they get to another championship game, but I do think there's something to be said, and we talked about it a little bit with Tom Izzo earlier, is there is something to be said about winning that. That second title it really it's hard to to argue much against the head coach once he gets that second one um you know John Calipari it's the thing that's hanging over his head uh Jay Wright it put him in another stratosphere when he got the second one so those are all things to kind of consider as we head into tomorrow night what it would mean for Bill Self I'll also say this too Dan uh you know it's not something a lot of people are talking about for obvious reasons but they're still under NCAA investigation from all Mm -hmm. the stuff with the FBI stuff and they're supposed to get their punishment here uh in the in in this offseason and so I don't necessarily think that it's likely but it's possible possible that they win a national championship and then get banned from the 2023 NCAA tournament. Uh, a lot of those FBI teams, the schools that were involved, Auburn has lo- had a postseason ban last year, Arizona last year. Um, so it's possible. So there's super positives in some aspects and then, of course, negatives to look at on the other side as well. I also just look at uh, for, for how that league is going to change when and I know that we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but with the with the departure of Texas and Oklahoma, but with the four schools that you are bringing in, and now you've had success at uh, Texas Tech, you could go back-to-back national championships for that conference if Kansas pulls it off tomorrow, obviously with Baylor there. Like the role of Kansas in the in the in in the grand scheme of things, like their dominance in the Big Twelve is has become very Atlanta Braves like sure where you're just so used to it. And and even though they didn't win it last year and it stopped the string, they guess what happens this year? You know, it's more of the same. All right, let's, you know, let's, let's go do it again. I am curious to see where that program goes because I I think that it actually could get better. I, 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 I mean, I could be wrong, but you throw Houston, you throw, you know, a Cincinnati program who, you know, I know 
not what it once was. But, I, you know, with Kansas carrying that torch, with Baylor still being there, with Texas Tech still being there, I'm just curious to see it, how that how that moves forward and where it goes with Kansas as well. And, and I don't know how long Bill Self's going to, you know, I mean, when, the, when they finally change, who knows where Bill Self is going to be, likely probably still in, in Lawrence, but uh, things could change. I do, I do feel that it's an interesting future ahead for a program like Kansas in the Big 12. Well, and, and listen, I, I understand as somebody who loves college basketball that college football is the thing that moves the needle and at the end of the day you know the the big 12 status in college football is very up in question but to your point you have houston and actually byu's made a bunch of ncaa tournaments over the last couple years they're coming in uh houston cincinnati who's obviously had success so now you add them with maybe the potential 2022 champion the potential the obviously the 2021 national champion texas tech as you said a program that seemingly uh is stable under uh mark adams it seems like a really fun time let me ask you this dan um obviously you know listen a national championship game you're not gonna have anybody flat whatever but at the same time uh, you know jason martin and i talked about it while we were on air last night uh we spent about three hours talking about duke carolina because the duke carolina game went final early in the second hour of our show um and about you know midway through the fourth hour jason martin kind of brought up the fact of i think bill self's having a good time watching this crazy back and forth game Carolina's players celebrating on the court, Carolina's fans storming the streets of Franklin Street. And the point that Jason brought up, I want to give him credit because I thought it was a great one. It does have some big Gonzaga vibes of last year in terms of Baylor cruises through their first semifinal game. Then they get to go home rest. Gonzaga plays UCLA late into the night in a thriller. Gonzaga just not ready to play come Monday night. I got to think that Bill Self was about as happy as anyone could, as anyone is happy could be knowing that they're playing a really good team in Carolina. He has to be happy that everybody, including us, over the last three hours are spending all day today talking about the Carolina aspect of it, beating Duke, Coach K, what does it mean? Greatest win in Carolina history that wasn't in a championship game. Nobody's really talking about Kansas. It took us till hour three to really even have a, a conversation about Bill Self and the Jayhawks. Well, they should be thankful we're even talking college basketball. I mean, heck, it doesn't happen for eleven months out of the sure. year. But no, to the point of, to the point of, uh, to yeah, what tomorrow? I think that there's, I think that there's something to that. I, I, I mean, again, I think that the weight of the national championship game does not make North Carolina think they can just sleepwalk in, and that would be, that would be. Something that you would see maybe in a college football, you beat a huge rival, and then the next week you have the letdown. Heck, we see it in the NFL all the time. It's more of the emotions of the legs. It's more of the 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 uh, or, or the fatigue of the legs. I think is more of the question. Did you did you put more into Saturday night than you even realize that it's going to come back and and burn you? The focus of it. I, I know it's huge, but it's in their rearview mirror. They have an opportunity to play for a national title. That should be enough. It's just if the adrenaline and everything that they spent on Saturday night ends up wearing them down late on Monday night, uh, that would be that would be something that I think um, could stand out. And heck, you know, Bill Self, you talk about that second half that they had against Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kansas is not the team that you want to be messing around with in terms of you know trying to coast through the second half. So I think that could play a part in it. But even if it is, I still think Carolina-Kansas is a better game with the, the, the 10 players on the court as opposed to what we would have got with Duke and Kansas. I in just, what regard? I just I I think that North Carolina, and it's not because they're one of the final two teams, 
but I just think that they're playing the best basketball mm-hmm. that we've seen throughout this tournament. I agree. Uh, you know, to, to, to Duke's point, and it's, it's not to diminish what they did against Michigan State or what they did against Arkansas or the troubles that they had against Texas Tech because all of those are legit. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Shit. But when you see what North Carolina did out of the gate against Marquette, what they did in the first 30 minutes before the manic ejection against Baylor and then to come back and win that game in overtime to make the plays. They don't get enough credit for the UCLA win. You know, you mentioned the Gonzaga win last year over UCLA. What team did you think was going to be better down the stretch in that game or make the plays down the stretch in that game when it came down to North Carolina and UCLA? And what do you know? It was North Carolina, not the team that made it to the Final Four on so many great plays a season ago. So I don't even think that we are giving North Carolina their full credit. I don't know if Duke will get the stops. I don't know if North Carolina will get the stops. But I think that you know there, there was things to question with uh, Duke's defense. And I just think we're going to get a better game between Kansas and North Carolina. Well, and I, I do agree with that last part. Is And again, it goes back to the weird, ever-evolving sport that is college basketball. But I, I agree with you is that it seems weird because I think you can legitimately argue that Kansas has not played their best basketball until literally the last two games. Um, and then on top of that, Carolina maybe four or five five 
you know, six to eight, if you want to include that last day at Cameron Indoor Arena, even though they lost in the ACC tournament. But I bring it up because I, I do actually, I, I do agree with you that Carol, that I think Duke is the sexier storyline because of the Coach K aspect. But in terms of which team has been playing better, as you brought up, they dominate Baylor for 32 to 33 minutes before Brady Manick gets kicked out and then they have to hold on to win. They beat UCLA. They destroy the Cinderella of the entire tournament that was beating everybody in their path in St. Peter's. So, I, I you know, again, I think Duke would have been a cooler, crazier, quirkier storyline, but I also don't argue that Carolina's playing the better basketball right now and it's why you know I give them a chance even off the emotional win last night is because I think they're playing as well as anybody and deserving of being here there's a there's a small part of me as well as I do think Carolina is different with uh Hubert Davis there's a different feel than with Roy Williams and I think that when you talk about organically and how you feel we touched on this earlier in the show by the way you can always go to foxsportsradio.com click on podcasts and hear what we were talking about but there was something to beating Roy Williams there was something to beating a Roy Williams North Carolina coach team there's something to beating a Roy Williams Kansas coach team actually they get felt more it, it, it seemed more important to beat a Roy Williams Kansas team than it did a Bill Self Kansas team um, I, I think that's the, the same that can be said for North Carolina, obviously, with 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 Hubert Davis only being in his first year. With all that being said, if Hubert Davis wins a national title, it brings the Tar Heels. Not that they took a step back. They're just different. They're not on that radar because of their legendary coach stepping aside. If they win this national title, I think that puts North Carolina back up into that sort of conversation. I agree. I agree. And I'm excited for tomorrow. And it's funny because, again, we've spent so much time talking. And this is the tournament. It's how it works. It's it's the way it is. But it's just like, you know, I, I can't even start to think about what are like the X factors and what are the keys? We're just still, I, I know we're almost 24 hours removed now, but I'm still sort of in shock about the Duke result. I'm still thinking about Duke. And so now to fast forward and, and, and to think about the, the fact that, um, you know, we got to play again. Again, I, yeah. I, I don't even know how Carolina's focused on it, let alone how guys like you and I, because, uh, you know, again, the game is tomorrow, but trying to think about who has the edge, what the edge is, where this advantage is. It's just something that I haven't even started to wrap my head around yet. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. The Dollar Shave Club brings you today's show. The Dollar Shave Club six-blade razor brings noticeably smooth shaves with six stainless steel blades for swift hair removal and a lubricating strip that keeps things smooth. Dollar Shave Club razors are sold at dollarshaveclub.com or in stores. Get Aaron on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Beyer on Fox. Yes, the final four is down to two. Well, there's also been some big time changes in the standings in the NBA and one team may be on more thin ice than they realize. All that coming up next here on Fox Sports Sunday. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. 
and you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Dan Beyer, did you know it's one of my favorite songs of all time? Is it? Hey, Ma, what's up? Let's slide. All right. We gonna get it on a night. Okay. Anyway. So. I, <laughs> sounds oh, hot. Man, Cameron. Be... It does sound hot. Sounds hot. Cameron of the Diplomats, baby. See, Sam and I are about the same age. This was, uh, you know, this was uh, driving around in mom's car thinking that you're cool at, you know, 16 and a half years old, <laughs> windows down, messing with the bass. Turn off oh. the oldies station and put it on the hits, baby. I'd love to reference songs, but they all go over all of your heads because they're about a decade, uh, decade past it. But I can, I can feel that. I can, I can absolutely feel that. It is Fox Sports Sunday. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. Did Iowa Sam say that on the air? No, I said that in your ear. I said, oh, try in me. In my Dan. ear. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure or not. I, uh, it, it, Iowa Sam wanted to do a little, maybe a you know mid '80s, you know '90s music quiz. Yeah, you. I'm not prepared for it. It's okay. So maybe we can do I an easy as one, two, three, four, where you quiz me about music. <laughs> I played some what, Baltimore earlier. I'll, Did you catch I'll give, that? I'll, I'll give you some. What would you play? Baltimore, Tarzan boy. Oh yes, yes. I did Jungle Life. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. I only I, know uh, that song because it's from uh, Beverly Hills Ninja. I was, uh, I was gonna say when Sam sits in for John Ramos on the Doug Gottlieb show, it's like there, it's a whole new. You know, John has his songs that he plays, and when Sam comes in, you know, plays his own hits, mixing it up. So that's a, it's, it's a little little change in direction that you can hear weekdays on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, John was out uh, this week doing a little spring break with the kids, and so new chef in the uh, house. So, uh, yeah, you've been spelling, uh, by the way, we will get to the topic, Aaron, but since oh, I was saying no, this here, uh, uh, typing a lot of chef Shevsky yes. on the old Twitter. And I was wondering, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know why I just like <laughs> spelling it chef and then Shevsky. Uh, it's a lot, it's a lot easier than, it than spelling yeah. it. Yeah. But when you're, when you've been around, you realize how to spell it, but as Sam on Twitter would reference Mike Shashevsky, he would uh, say Chef Shevsky. Chef Shevsky, yes. So the Chef Shevsky uh, era is over at Duke. The John Shire era is now here. How do you feel, uh, Aaron Torres, now that this is John Shire's uh, boat? 
to run. Recruiting seems to be not a problem with Duke so far. Is it going to be smooth sailing, or do you think that there could be other things uh, that could be bumps in the road for the soon-to-be first-year head coach? Yeah, for people who don't follow recruiting, three three of the top ten players are committed to Duke in high school basketball right now. I, I've long said that I don't believe we're going to know um, how good of a recruiter Coach K is, or uh, Coach K, John Shire is, until like the 2023-2024 season, because this class was obviously signed with Coach K still as the head coach. Next year will be his first year, and most of the players will be signed before he ever coaches a game. So it really won't be until the, the class that is now sophomores in high school that we have a feel for, okay, is he still riding the Coach K wave, or is he uh, recruiting guys based off his own accomplishments? I mean, what I would say is I think he's obviously walking into a nearly impossible situation I don't think it's easy the the expectation at Duke isn't just to be good it's to compete at the highest level win national championships play the biggest games beat the best teams recruit the best players be us you know and it's it's a you know it's a different kind of fandom than the SEC I'm not saying it's as intense as Kentucky or Alabama basketball or Ohio State football but that is the expectation of being the Duke basketball coach now with the program that Coach K has built. It's not easy. Uh, it's a thankless task to walk into, but he also signed up for it. It's also an incredible opportunity, and he's obviously going to have every resource at his disposal to have success. And, and now I actually feel a little bad for saying what I did about Hubert Davis. It wasn't. It's not personal. It's just the way that I feel. I think it's just it's different with North Carolina with Hubert Davis as the head coach as opposed to Roy Williams. Mm-hmm. Again, that could change depending on tomorrow's outcome. But I. I would say with Duke, or do you want to? Well, I want to ask you a question because you said it, it, it's a little bit different with Roy Williams and Coach with, with Roy Williams and Hubert Davis at UNC. I had a thought, and I don't even know that I know the answer or that I definitively believe 100% one way or the other. How much do you think is Duke still as hateable? with Coach K no longer as the head coach. Now, I have a thought on John Shire and what it all means, but Duke is, is again, we talked about sure. it throughout the show, the lightning rod of college basketball. You either love them or you hate them, like the Lakers, like the Yankees, like Notre Dame football, like whoever. Are they as hateable without Coach K? Uh, no, because Coach K isn't there. But it doesn't mean that it alters the brand. Like, you still hate Notre Dame football without Brian Kelly there. And Brian Kelly's not the one who made Notre Dame football, you know. Like mm-hmm. so, he was. He just had. He's one of the coaches, and, and and there were there were successful coaches. There were not successful coaches. That's the more of like the, you know, the the question to me. If Duke continues to win, they're still going to be uh, dislikable. I think that the hateable factor came from Coach K and Duke. I mean, and and Agreed. as as I know, like. You even go back like it's funny. It's funny on how certain fan bases keep certain grudges. Sure. And I, I mentioned my alma mater of Wisconsin not having a baseball team earlier. If you go to that Wisconsin basketball fan base, they don't forget what Roy Williams said about them at halftime of the 2000 Final Four against Michigan State, making a, a crack at Wisconsin's offense in the in the Interesting. Pace of play. They they never 
to this day, they, they still haven't forgotten it. They also haven't forgotten the Coach K interview at halftime of the 2015 National Championship game when he, Coach K was complaining about the officiating, and then all of a sudden, wow, look at these whistles, huh. or the lack thereof in, in the, the second half of that championship game. And so I'm just I'm using Wisconsin as an example, but you have those grudges, you have those things, and so those certain fan bases will always dislike a program. Heck, Kentucky's hated Duke for 30 years, you know, because yeah. of what happened in Philadelphia in the regional final so those things i think will always be there but it does lessen without having the figure of coach k just like i don't think north carolina is as hateable to wisconsin fans now that roy williams is no longer there or or and at the time he was at kansas but it carried over from Kansas to North Carolina because of who the coach was. Well, and I forget if we hit on this earlier in the show, but one thing we had talked about potentially uh, chatting about throughout this this show was why I think it's really important that John Shire be really good or really bad in terms of when he takes over because Duke is such a polarizing brand, as you said, but obviously some of that will be gone without Coach K. I think the best thing for college basketball is is if John Shire comes out and is absolutely awesome and they go like 31-4 and four next year and make an Elite Eight or a Final Four. Because then then all of college basketball is like, oh my goodness, we just got rid of Coach K. 40 years we had to deal with that guy. Now the next guy's there and they're not sure. missing a beat. Like the one, Or, it, by the way, the opposite could be true too. If they go next year 20-14 and 14 and miss the NCAA tournament, then, then everybody gets their cracks in at Duke. What, what, what I believe, though is the one thing John Shire can't be is just okay. I don't think it's good for college basketball if if Duke is, say, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, 22-11 and 11 going into next year's tournament and they're a seven seed and they lose in the first round. So John Shire, be either really good, that'd be good for college basketball, be really bad, that would be entertaining at least in the regular season. The one thing you don't want to be is not interesting at all. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Byer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Speaking of being in the tournament, the Lakers may not. and They took another step back today. We'll talk about that next, but here's David Gascon giving us the latest, including what happened at Crypto.com Arena between the LeBronless Lakers and Denver Nuggets. What's going on, Dave? Still can't wrap my head around that Crypto Arena. I know. I almost said Staples as well. Yeah. You know what's yeah. funny? I was looking up future NCAA tournament sites not long ago, and it was like... SoFi? You know, uh, I think SoFi might have a Final Four, but like two years from now, the Elite Eight and Sweet 16 is at Crypto uh, at Crypto Arena. I was like, what? Oh, oh, Crypto Arena. Right, right, right. So, so weird. It is weird. We'll get the Rose Bowl. How about that? Yeah, that would be great. Hey, what was uh, it? Uh, was it? Oh man, it's got a long five, six years ago when San Diego State and Michigan State played on an aircraft carrier. Yeah, that was yeah. like ten years ago. Guess was there like yeah. moisture on the court though that they had to stop because it was slippery? Yes, they. Uh, yeah, they, they. What they did was the first year I think it went off relatively without a hitch, and then it became the thing like uh, outdoor hockey where they tried to play like four games on aircraft carriers the next year. Yeah, and like three of them were canceled because of moisture or something I, like that. So. I think they should be out to sea when they play those games. <laughs> <laughs> See how many jumpers you're hitting no with those me. waves. With with no, how about with no uh, with the the court being the length of the boat? So if you miss it, the ball just goes off and you got to start over. Oh my gosh. A lot of pressure, <laughs> guys. Yeah, that game today. Uh, it was in Los Angeles, the Nuggets and Lakers. There is a very strong chance LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony will not be a part of this year's. 
playoffs. Wow, how the mighty have fallen. This afternoon from Los Angeles, Nuggets beat the Lakers 129 to 118. Yeah, Lakers shot 53% in the game and still found a way to lose, giving up 129 points. Nikola Jokic, 38 points. Will Barton with 25. Aaron Gordon with 24. You guys have Joker as your league MVP, or do you go in Giannis or Embiid? Who do you, you know, I, 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 you can't I, go wrong with any of the three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I said Steph Curry like three weeks ago, and that then he got hurt, and, yeah. and the Warriors have fallen off. I. To see what Giannis does, I mean, he's done it before, and so I don't think it gets noticed. So I'm I'm biased in those sort of conversations. I don't know, though, because the the one good argument with Giannis is he's an upward trend ever since yes. his rookie year. Like, he hasn't yeah. had a down – everything across the board. Points, rebounds, field goal percentage, per. Like, the dude's always improving every year. Jokic, to me, is dominating social media. In that yeah. in that race, in those three in that three player race, yeah, I'm hearing more love about what uh, Jokic is doing than what Embiid and Giannis is do- are doing. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, yeah, Denver wins today. It's a big win for them. Obviously, a brutal one for the Lakers. Boston wins today. Pistons win in Indiana. Uh, Trailblazers down by three at San Antonio. Suns and Thunder from OKC. Phoenix leads by seven at the end of the first quarter. Heat and Raptors from Toronto. Raptors lead by nine, thirty to twenty-one. It's all in the York Knicks in Orlando, 78 to 57 is the count there. And the Cavaliers with a two-point advantage over the 76ers, 65 to 63. Guys, I said this yesterday with uh, Cleveland uh, clinching a playoff spot. Put you guys on the spot, no pun intended. Last time the Cavaliers had a winning record without LeBron James was when? Hmm. Okay, so that would be, so it was 2003 draft. Yeah. So they obviously wouldn't have. If they had the number one pick, it wouldn't have been the prior year. Right. Um, man. And the one quick hint on that is you're warm. Is, I'm warm. Okay. Yeah. It was in 2002 because they took Dewan Wagner the year right. before. I would, I, I'll, I'll just say 2000. Close. Aaron? Yeah, I was going to say like the late 90s, like Bobby Phils, I want to say. Was, 98. Wow. 1998. I can't yeah, take credit. Yes, I didn't sir. give a specific year. It's a long time, man. That is a long time. <laughs> When Dave said I was warm, I was like, how warm am I? How I mean, I, yeah. Would you, it's kind of hot. Is it fair to say that's kind of hot? That's yeah. exactly oh, Sounds, Sounds hot. Sounds <laughs> hot. Get a cigar now. <laughs> Bye-bye. Uh, he's David Gascon. Get him on Twitter at David J. Gascon. The Lakers are on the outside looking into the Western Conference uh, play-in tournament. The, the, it, it sure seems like they have no interest in playing. LeBron didn't play today because of his nagging ankle injury. Two back of the Spurs now in the loss column. Lakers have four to go. They don't, uh, they don't have the tiebreaker against San Antonio. It looks to be very, very bleak for the Lakers. You're going to talk about the Lakers all you want. I actually want to talk about a team in the Eastern Conference because I want to have Aaron Torres and take his temperature on the Brooklyn Nets because Aaron and I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago on Fox Sports Radio about Brooklyn, and and, and it's true, and it still is true to this day that teams in the East are trying to avoid playing Brooklyn in the first round of the playoffs because – 
You don't want to play Kevin Durant in the first round of the playoffs. I don't blame these teams for trying to figure out ways to how do we avoid them. Well, Brooklyn lost last night to the Atlanta Hawks, and the Hawks now sitting in the eighth spot in the East, Brooklyn in the 10th spot. And for all intents and purposes, they they aren't going to be able to get the seven seed. We think it could ch- it, it it could change, but last night's game actually really was a setback because if you could have beaten Atlanta, you could have maybe have been in that seven uh, eight game, which would allow you to get the seven seed. It seems that it's tracking right now that Brooklyn at forty and thirty eight, they're going to be in the play in tournament. We know it's just of what seed you're going to be. If they're nine or ten, they can only get the eight seed in the East. So Aaron, with Brooklyn having some of the struggles that they've had as of late, losing last night to the Hawks, they lost in overtime to the Bucks on Thursday. Are you still a believer that Brooklyn would be the team to beat in the East? Ah, the team to beat, I don't know. You know, I don't know if I ever definitively said they're the team to beat. All I said was that even as an eight seed, seven seed, you know, play in team, non play in team, they're terrifying and maybe the favorite because of the fact that they have. They're going to have, you know, except for a matchup with Milwaukee, the definitive best player on the floor. And so are they the definitive favorite? I don't know. But I mean, you know, again, it comes down to as we look at the standings right now. Well, let me let me put it this way. If I gave you any of the other nine teams in the East that are going to be in the playoffs and had them match up against Brooklyn, who are you take? Is there is there any scenario where you would take a different team? In just a series, I'm not saying to make it to the NBA Finals, but it was Brooklyn against Boston, Brooklyn against Milwaukee, Brooklyn against Miami. Is there any team where you would be like, I don't know if they can win that series? I mean, Milwaukee feels like the obvious one, right? That that's the one yeah. that feels to me, and and I you know I know you watch the Bucks much closer than I do, but you know again you look at the standings. Um, you know they're gonna have the, they would have the best player on the court against Miami, arguably maybe the two best players, and that's no disrespect to Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, whatever. Um, Boston, I know they they're on this surge over the last four or five weeks, whatever it is. Uh, I know Jason Tatum's incredible. I'm still taking Kevin Durant and Kyrie every time. By the way, you know Kyrie last year at least seemed to thrive playing in that building in the Boston Garden, you know TD Bank mm-hmm. Arena. Um, you know Philadelphia. You and I <laughs> have had the seven stages of James Harden when we filled in for Doug Gottlieb where we were on right after and everybody's claiming that they're the next Shaq and Kobe. Then we were on at the day after they got blown out by the by the uh, Brooklyn Nets. Then, of course, last week, you know, Doc Rivers, had, or la- the last couple days, Doc Rivers had his comments. So, I mean, you know, you go through those three teams, Miami, Boston, Philly, as long as I know I'm getting a healthy Kevin Durant, as long as I know Kyrie Irving can play in every game, I'm probably taking them against those three. I don't know that I would feel that way about the Bucs. Yeah, I, I, think that, I think that there are questions about Brooklyn. And Durant had 55 last night, and they didn't beat the Atlanta Hawks. And you could face the Hawks in the playing tournament. You just wonder of, yeah, if you, if you are a top seed, and I don't blame a Milwaukee team for maybe being like, all right, we'll deal with we'll deal with the Nets maybe later on in the playoffs. Not to discredit a Cleveland team or a Chicago team that they could end up playing, but just is is common sense. But something isn't right with the Nets. And Kevin Durant was frustrated last night about uh, how Atlanta got to the free throw line so much. And I just really think that the entire season has kind of been a grind, whether it be the James Harden, uh, you know, the situation with him not being happy. Obviously, Kyrie's situation, they were asked about it so much. And, And realistically, if you have Kyrie for those home games, 
Maybe you aren't in the playing tournament right now. So I think that there's 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 a lot with with Brooklyn and, and the part that with the trade for Ben Simmons that to get Harden out of town, there's still chemistry issues that you have to sort out. Sure. So if you are adding Seth Curry, while it's great, you know, if I'm Brooklyn, I'd rather have, you know, Seth Curry than, you know, to bring him over. I think that was a fine addition, but I still think that there are things that are getting used to. And now with all the other stuff they had to navigate, now you got to figure out chemistry wise down the stretch. And you have to figure out if Ben Simmons is even going to play. I just, Brooklyn, you put them on paper and they look great. But I just don't know if now if these mountains that they are going to have to navigate are really too much for a team. I mean, the Bucks beat them again in overtime. You know, you know, or they beat them in overtime last year in Game Seven. Mentioned they went to Brooklyn and came back late and won that game uh, in OT this past week. So, yeah, I just I am not sold on on Brooklyn as much as I was three weeks ago because now I'm just kind of starting to feel that the entire season as a whole and why you think that they were trending up actually may have kind of worn this team down. And if they have to play, you know, if they're in the eight seed where they are, it's a tough task for them to navigate that road. So I'm I'm selling some of my Brooklyn Nets stock right now, even with Kevin Durant. Totally fair. He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. This is Fox Sports Sunday. Today's show is brought to you by Dollar Shave Club. The Dollar Shave Club six-blade razor brings noticeably smooth shaves with six stainless steel blades for swift hair removal and a lubricating strip that keeps things smooth. Dollar Shave Club razors are sold at dollarshaveclub.com or in stores. Get Aaron on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Beyer on Fox. And when doing a favor for someone goes wrong, we'll explain next year on Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Sunday. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now.
He's Aaron Torres. I'm Dan Beyer. Glad to have you with us on this on this Sunday. I guess the women's game tips off uh, in about 10 minutes. I was an hour off. I was looking at the TV guide on the screen, Aaron. Mm. And so it was like, oh, all right, you know, 7 Eastern. Let's do this bad boy. But, uh, yeah, it'll be tipping off uh, here at the top of the hour. UConn against South Carolina. Have you ever – have you ever – done a favor for someone, Aaron, or no. been asked to do a favor and not go through with it? Hmm. I feel like something happened with me recently where somebody asked me and I committed and then kind of bailed. Yeah, okay. Maybe maybe it was going on with Arnie and Plank. Maybe that, that was Yes, the... I have missed guest appearances. <laughs> okay. I there There is nothing worse because th- there is nothing worse, and I'm not pinning this on you, mm. than telling someone that you will do them a favor. And I'm not talking about, hey, I'll pick you up um, because I'm, you know, that's on my way to work anyway. You know, it's not a problem. I'm saying person commits to them going out of their way to help you out with something and then not come through with it because that's what happened to me there there was a a a family friend of ours cuts my hair and i was told at 11 o'clock you know i I made this appointment a month ago today uh, that that i had today more than a month because i'm going on a trip and i wasn't going to be able to go there monday i leave early tomorrow morning she's like you know what i'll come in sunday it'll be quick no big deal mark it down april 3rd 11 o'clock appointment at 1120. My wife had to call and be like, Hey, Dan's been waiting for like 30 minutes. And she goes, Oh my gosh, I forgot. So she completely forgot about the appointment. The worst part about it though, Aaron was now I felt like I was putting her out because she forgot and then had to come in. So now, even though like she's not even apologetic that she was late because she already felt that I was, that she was doing me the favor. So it was just extremely like I didn't know like how to respond. I didn't know. So the worst thing, like I would have rather of her said a month ago when I made the appointment, you know what? It's a Sunday. I'm usually off on Sundays. Can't do it because then I would have made other plans. Now I'm 30 minutes behind schedule and I feel like I'm the bad guy for asking, you know, I'm putting her out of of her normal routine, even though she committed to doing the favor. What I would say is, I mean, yeah, there is a certain level of apology that you have to have if you're the person that promised something and didn't deliver. Like, you got to at least fake it, right? I mean, you know, everybody's going to fake I it. I say one, once you commit to the favor, yeah, like it is in your, your court to follow through. Agreed. And if you do not follow through, it is not on the person who is asking you to do the favor. It is now on you for committing the error of not following through okay. on the favor. Now, I'm not trying to make Dan Byer the bad guy here, but how far out do you is the favor where you kind of probably should follow up because it's out of the ordinary? Like me, like I just told you, I, I've missed some radio hits here and there. Yeah. But if you text me on Monday and you're like, hey, Friday, 2.20 Eastern time, can you come on, uh, you know, Iowa Sam's uh, happy hour sure. in uh, Des Moines, Iowa? And I'm not making fun of Iowa Sam, but, you know, 
I'm probably going to forget by Friday. So do you feel that maybe in, in hindsight, a, a follow-up on we, Friday? Go ahead, go ahead. We got an automated text yesterday to confirm our appointment at 11 oh, o'clock, and we confirmed. The yes. tables have turned <laughs> on this evil hairdresser. Oh, Not hairdresser I, and, and I felt like a jerk because I asked, but then I'm like, why am I feeling like the jerk? I just stood here for 30 minutes no. waiting for an appointment that somebody told me that they were going to do a Once solid. You confirm the appointment. It's on them, especially when you when you follow up. Oh man, sometimes favors can uh, can get you in trouble. All right, I I just had to get it out there. You got to fake the apology. Yeah, yeah. At least like it should have been an over the uh, over the top apology, even though they were the ones who were actually going out of their way. Quickly, you like Kansas or North Carolina? I got Kansas. I'll take the Tar Heels in a bit of an upset. Aaron, it's been fun. Talk to you next week. Thank you. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you did. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.